What's up, everybody? Welcome back to another episode of Don't Give Up the Ship Podcast, episode 108. Uh, and this week, uh, I, I'm I'm on a really quick vacation. <laughs> Chief Bob took over for me this week. Um, this is kind of what I was alluding to when I was talking about the getting to a place where it's more of a contributed platform. I got a couple of the other uh, episodes like that in the works and, and more than open to discussing it with anybody that's interested in doing something kind of like a Proceedings Magazine style uh, like article, but a podcast, right? Like where you're just, you have something that, you know, you want to do like an op-ed style spin the yarn conversation on, or you want to interview someone or you want to research a topic and talk about it or whatever. Um, I'm working on a bunch of different ones with some people, but I'm open to talking about that with anyone. So if you're interested, hit me up, uh, you know, all the contact information is in the show notes and at the end. Um, but yeah, and <laughs> full disclosure, I know what the episode's about, but I haven't listened to it because I trust Chief Bob and because I'm getting on an airplane uh, tomorrow morning and I'm in the midst of packing and all the other tomfoolery. So um, I know it's so like basically what the, the idea was and we had discussed the concept beforehand was uh, he grabbed a couple of brand new chiefs that just finished the chief season and kind of did like a hot wash of the experience. Uh, what did they get out of it? What did they uh, enjoy? What did they think was ridiculous? And and all those assorted uh, perspectives from some people that have it really fresh in their mind. And there are a couple of people that uh, I think will have really great perspectives on it. I'm excited to listen to the episode and I hope you are as well. Check it out. Hey, real quick, if you can and you're willing to support us, uh, in whatever way you can, we always really appreciate it. With the best ways to do that, go to patreon.com slash podcast. Pick a tier that's right for you and support us if you can. We would really appreciate you. Lots of really cool benefits there. Go check them out. Also, don't give up the ship apparel. It's dgutsapparel.com. Get yourself some Naval Pride and Heritage gear you'll actually wear in public. We've got t-shirts, hoodies, all kinds of cool shower shoes, little like uh, drawstring bags, all kinds of cool stuff, a bunch of really cool custom stickers, and then the challenge coins and, and Don't Give Up the Ship podcast apparel is there as well. So please, if you can and you're willing to support us, go to those two places uh, and find whatever way works best for you. It's dgutsapparel.com and patreon.com slash dgutspodcast. Thank you. All right. So like from the start, from my experience, when I made it, our initial meet and greet was vastly different from the way we've done it out here with you guys. And some of that's the time, some of that might be the area. Right. But like for you guys, when we initially tell everybody, like, hey, you all officially made it, come show up. And for you guys, it was a lot of like, hey, clap, 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 hooray, welcome, you made it. And you guys stand on stage in the morning and say, like, hey, I'm so and so, this is who my CMC is. And a lot of that's the amount of people that we have. There's just way too many people in the area that we're not going to know everybody that made it. But for mine, there was only five of us and we were underway at that point. But we got told to show up. We all stand on stage and they all just sat there staring at us and we have no idea what to do. And they said, all they did was say, like, they gave us a note card that said, answer these questions. And the, all the only two questions on it were, who are you and why are you here? And so you're like, uh, I'm, I'm Bob and I'm here because you guys told me to be here last night. So I'm standing here. Uh, and they just kind of look at you and you're like, uh, I don't feel like that was the right answer. And you just kind of look around and they're like, is that it? And you're like, I, I don't know. Is this everything feels like a trap? I don't know what's going on. I'm terrified. I'm nervous. I got bubble guts. 
I'm just standing here right now. You know, like I'm here so I'm confined. And then they just kind of look at you and go, okay. And they move on to the next person. Right. And so we had a common theme throughout my season. Every event usually either started or ended with somebody saying like, who are you and why are you here? Right. And obviously when you get to the end, uh, through final night, it finally clicks and you're like, Oh, I guess now I understand why you're asking this in day one. And obviously my answer, I'm chief Bob. Right. And like, obviously that answer would change throughout the season. And you would, ideally you would see people understand that earlier, hopefully than like, say when I did at 1130 at night on final night, but you can kind of tell by those answers, but the way we did it, like, is it, did it feel weird? Like, I'm sure everything feels like a setup, right? That's how it felt for me. Did everything feel like a setup for you? So I don't know if you remember, but we weren't there. Well, you guys weren't there for that piece of it. So did that feel weird? So I guess that's a little bit different for you guys. I feel like, I feel like we were behind and I think unfortunately we were not that we were set up for failure, but we didn't get to experience that first part. And then we felt behind the curve because we got back from leave and it was like a, Hey, we have all these things to do. And it's like, Oh, we didn't even, you know what I mean? Like, right. Because we were on leave when the selection came out. So when when we got the phone calls, we were on leave. Everybody else got to do the meet and greet. We were gone. So we actually ended up uh, like canceling and redoing our flight so that we could come back a little bit earlier than we had planned. But you still miss like the first week. We missed the first few days. And then we were there for the whole, uh, like the first official week because week one was really the week after selections. Right. And then the second official week we were at constitution. So we did miss that part a little bit as well, but like it, it was, it's tough because like you said, there was a lot of stuff that wasn't really made clear. What's the expectation. So we're going into most of the stuff during the season. Like, I don't, I don't really know what anybody's is expecting from me whatever, uh, kind of like you're saying, like the, like the whole thing at the end where it's like, okay, who are you and why are you here? And okay. So the expectation looking back is that at some point you're going to go, I'm fucking chief Riley and you know, whatever. The other thing too, is that there's a lot of other touch points during the season where that same kind of sentiment is there where we're getting asked questions and they're like, they're loaded to an extent where they want to see to what extent you're buying in. And right. at what point are you going to decide that you're a chief? Cause like in the beginning, it's the whole thing is at least for our season, it was, we did the name tags, the CPO selecting name tags and we're wearing black belts. And then until we had the name tags, we're kind of getting hit on about like, why, like, why aren't you wearing the name tags? And then at some point during the season, it's like, why are you wearing the name tag? Like, because that's what, because that's the thing that stopped getting us yelled at. Like once we got the name tags, (laughs) we stopped getting yelled at. And they're like, okay, well, at what point are you going to be a chief? Like what, what point are you going to decide that you're not a a chief select and that you're a chief? And so then we switch to, we start wearing khaki belts and we take the name tags off and it's like, who said you were wearing khaki belts, right. you know? And it's like, what's the right answer here, man? I just don't want to get yelled at. I was trying to get through this. So that like, there was a lot of that the whole time. And I get like, probably that a lot of that is by design where they're like, you know, kind of inserting chaos to an extent, trying to see what, how you react and how you respond. But like, that was kind of a tough thing. Cause we're just trying to figure out and like in the scheme of things is the name tags and what color belts I'm wearing. The thing that you're trying to get out of me, probably not. But like, those are just very small examples of like a way bigger picture of right. a whole lot of stuff you're expecting us to do you know, there's a point where we're going to kind of like change and start like doing stuff that you're going to make me feel like that we're doing the wrong thing, but we're going to own it and say like, no, like, no, screw that. I'm a chief now, whatever. And so we're kind of trying to like test the waters and see how much of that we're going to get. We're looking at you or making those decisions and trying to get an right. idea of like, are you just shitting on me because you're supposed to, and I'm actually doing the right thing? Or am I really, am I really on the wrong track here? Yeah. And that's the hard spot where like the old head answer, right. is like, that's what your sponsor is for. 
they should be the ones to tell you like, Hey, they're just pushing your buttons. They want to see that. Like they should kind of give you some of those answers type deal when you get stuck, like not necessarily go hand them to you, but when you're like, I, what am I doing wrong here, man? Like you want me to wear the name tags or not. Right. And you, you kind of vent to your sponsor and they go like, who, who cares? Right. Like what, well, that's not the point, you know? And then say, so kind of give you that answer more or less. Then you go, Oh, okay. And part of the problem where like, point that I understand and agree with is that's never told to us when we should or not do that. Right. And there's still going to be, especially if you have a large area, if you do it on shore, you have a big area doing it. There's going to be somebody out of the, we have like over 450 or 500 chiefs or something crazy in the area. There's going to be one that final night is still going to be like, where's your name tag? Why isn't it the same as everybody else? And it's like, dude, just stop. Let it go, man. That's not the point, right? Because you don't know those answers, right? And you're still the whole time like, is it, what do you want out of this? Because we don't tell you that. And what I told him is I misunderstood what he was telling or what he was trying to drive home. But my point was, I don't necessarily want to hand every select all of those things. This is what we want because then you're just going to do whatever it says. And the point is like, you need them to believe these answers. Like you need to, you need them to believe like, no, I'm saying this because like I have a voice because you're listening to me because I am in charge because I am a chief because of whatever. Right. And I am going to speak up when I am going to push back when I think something's stupid, I am going to fight for these things or whatever the case is. You want people to have that, but you're kind of set up for failure in that when the season starts off, you know, to kind of contradict that. I also don't think that if day two you showed up to something and you're like, no, that's stupid. We're not doing that. Like that is absolutely not going to fly for most anybody. I don't think, and I don't think it should necessarily. So it's like, at what point do we decide that, or do we decide that that is an acceptable response? Like, I don't think there's a right answer for that. I don't know where, and you could kind of hash out somewhere between week two and week six, right. Is when you want them to figure that out. But it's all very individual, right? And that's the biggest thing that we're doing at all those events is like, okay, this person is just doing whatever they need to do to stop getting yelled at. And there's going to be those people forever at every rank. And then there's some people that are going to stand up and like argue every point from day one until the end of their career. And it's like, okay, so those are the things you need to work on is like, hey, you that's just going to say yes to everything. Like I want you to push back on these things. So I'm going to keep digging on you with the most ridiculous things until you finally get fed up and snap and say like, I'm not doing this. And then we're gonna be like, okay, cool. Like you do have that capability or the other way around the people that fight everything from day one, I'm going to tell that person they're absolutely wrong no matter what. And I'm going to argue with them till the death because I want them to finally sit there and go, okay, you're right. I understand how to like be quiet, take it on the chin and move on. But every person is different, right? And Sounds so, familiar. so, so at the the beginning of the season, right? Like a lot of those first few sessions of things that we're doing, there's usually not a lot that gets said. I mean, there's still definitely nonsense that we put out, and typically the beginning of the season is just insert mass chaos and see where your breaking point is, right? Overtask, overload, see what you guys are just going to let drop off. When we yell at you for letting it drop off, how do you handle well, it? We get tunnel vision when right. like immediately straight to tunnel vision, like let's get these tasks done. And then we forget literally everything else. Right. 
Okay, so are we going to talk about specific, like I know this is a podcast, so this is kind of open to everybody. We're going to talk about specific season events here? I don't really care. I don't. Because because there's specific I tend to agree with him that point that that like would be sh- it would be shedding light on very specific season things, but I could make some really specific examples of like your point right now. I tend to agree with him that I don't think that a majority of the season should be that secret. I think there's parts of it that I don't think it's going to help anybody, and it's just going to make the confusion worse for somebody if they were to listen to it as a first to be like, oh, okay, this is what's supposed to happen at training. Yep whatever I could tell them exactly how this season went for you and your training and everything that we did. And it's not going to help them because they're not going to the same year, the same mess, the same group of people, the same anything else, right? Next year is going to be run by different people. There's going to be different people in the mess. There's going to be different selects with them. It's absolutely not going to help them in that exact sense. I don't think that, and then you can go like full dig it on the idea of we're trying to make everybody better, not necessarily, it's not the eighties. I'm not going to make you eat some weird nonsense and, you know, do push-ups So you throw up or something crazy. Like that's not what the season is anymore. So you could also argue that like bringing those points up only help further that mission of we're just trying to get you ready, not necessarily make you go through it. Cause I guarantee no matter how many answers somebody has like RCMC, right. He talks about he's made chief twice, right. He made it and then went to mass and then five years later went back through it again. And I guarantee his second season, well, I'm sure aspects of it were easier because he'd already done it once and spent time as a chief. I guarantee it wasn't that fun or that easy at all for him the second time. Well, and he probably got targeted a lot during the second season. A hundred percent. But I just mean that like I even have even literally him going through it himself and then going through it again, I guarantee that it didn't necessarily help him that much the second season. So uh, the reason I brought that up is I don't want to like, I don't want to rob anybody who is listening of their experience of like going through that and kind of getting kicked in the face and then figuring out on the back end, like where did that kind of fall short? Cause for us, the yeah. very first example was like, okay, so the egg divisions, like the very first time that we all, like the whole group got together and we're a big group. So a big command, big group of selects. And then we got split into three different groups and our group was still pretty big. We had like 30 people in it and we got together on the egg division thing. And it was like, actually it was a really good time because it was the first time we got everybody together outside of work. And there was a lot of camaraderie there. We had genuines there and the genuines were all super about it. Cause they were like, this is exactly what you should be doing. Like this, the, the getting together outside of work, the, the like hanging out, the families were there. Like it was, it was really cool. But we put like, I don't know, uh, it was probably like, uh, six or eight hours total on like a Saturday. And all we really like, we, 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 I mean, it felt at the time like a win, but then looking back on it, like, okay, we spent this significant portion of a Saturday on doing all the egg divisions. Right. And there was a lot that went into it, like all the arts and crafts and we did all the things and we really went over the top on, on the eggs. Like we ordered wooden eggs and we're like wood burning the faces and gluing stuff and making hair for them and like all this crap. And to be, to be quite honest with you, like right immediately after that, we went to constitution, we came back. I never, I never got tasking for any of my eggs. We did, uh, we, we tried to build division where we built, uh, uh, divo binders for them. I never got anything. I never got feedback on them. So like in hindsight, the win was that we all got together and figured out that like, Hey, this is how we should be doing things. But then the egg divisions were just a total and complete like distraction. It was like the, 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 the matador, the matadors like red carpet thing that they're waving in front of us. And like, in, in hindsight, I realized that we'd spent way more time on that than we should have. And that was the thing that carried forward in the season. It was a great lesson of like, 
how much time and effort should I be devoting to this thing? And in the scheme of things, is it the important thing for me to be doing right now? Right. And it, and it wasn't, we still got some stuff out of it, but moving forward, there were a lot of other taskers like that throughout the season. There was like, there was exactly the same thing. Like I could have given it eight hours on a Saturday to this thing. And should I have done it? No, totally not. So, um, I'd agree with you. The, the camaraderie we got out of the, the egg, um, division building day was great. We like, we went over one of the other selects house and, um, we all, all had a good time. Like we brought our families over. Um, so that was fun, but you know, it was, it was eight hours of not necessarily wasted, but it was eight hours to make an egg division for my sponsor to look at them and be like, Oh, he's got white hair and he looks sad. (laughs) And you know what I mean? So, and like, I, we didn't get any tasking. Um, I didn't specifically. There was like two dudes that got tasking out of that. And the one that I remember specifically was there was one dude that had an egg in his division that had like a little white, uh, uh, like a pipe cleaner, uh, hair and it was made in like a U shape. So he's like bald and they were like, Oh, that's your f-ing chief. And then they were like, all right, your chief just got a DUI. And that was like the day we presented the egg divisions. And that was the only time I ever saw anybody actually get tasking on their egg divisions was that's a chief. He just got a DUI. I want to talk to you about this later. And I was like, okay, cool. I get why the egg divisions are a thing. It's a talking point. It's training, whatever. Right. But then again, to lend to your point about like how much communication was happening on the genuine side, what was the expectation and how much were we supposed to get out of that? And it was kind of like, I don't know if the ball was dropped or if we just moved on to other things, but we, I ended up devoting eight hours to this thing that never bore any fruit for me specifically because nobody ever came to me and, and said something like, Hey, I want to see your Devo notebook, or I want to talk to you about this sailor new division, or this is a problem that your sailor's having or any of those kinds of things. And maybe that's because the job that I'm doing, I already have a lot of this stuff. So nobody targeted me on that topic, but but that's how it worked. That's how it went. Maybe. I think our dog got more out of the egg division than we did because he was very intrigued with, he did. with, uh, I think it was, I think it was the chief. He was he ate very intrigued. Yeah. He like just yeah. opened the carton and like walked out with it. And I'm like, <laughs> what do you do with my chief? <laughs> What's well, funny too, because like the, just on the egg thing, like I remember, uh, there were people that were like, Oh, you're using wooden eggs. Like you're not using real eggs. And I thought, dude, if I had to bring eight, actual eggs with actual like raw yolks in them. This would go so bad so fast. So hard boiled. The thought of trying hard to, boiled. the thought of trying to protect even a hard boiled eight eggs. So stinky. Fast. If they were hard boiled and then having somebody go, let me see your eggs. Oh, there's a crack in one of these eggs. Like, you know, that whole thing would have been wild. So that's a, fu- I didn't do an egg division specifically my year. We were importing out back and forth about every two weeks and we finished it import, but I don't know if it was a logistical reason why they were not a fan of us taking five dozen eggs from the crew, you know, while we were underway, or if it was just, they just didn't do it right. Cause it's not universal. Sometimes it's eggs. Sometimes it's a spike. Sometimes it's both. I still have my railroad spike. It's somewhere in this massive toolbox. What's it look like? Scrawny. Mm. Uh, it was bad and rusted and skinny to begin with. And so by the time we ground it down and, filed it and all that jazz. There's not a whole lot left, uh, but there's enough that I used it. That's why it's in my toolbox. I used it at some point. I needed a something spike ish. And I went, I know where I've got one. And I dug it out of my, uh, vessel and I used it. And normally it's in my vessel though. And on one of these days I'll put it back in there, but that's another one of those weird things where like us, our area specifically, right? There was like a weird issue with the Divo notebooks and some drama involved with that. And it doesn't really matter. But I think after that, 
people looked at that as like, I don't want to touch that topic. And so they were afraid to push the button on anything that had to do with that. I think in an ideal world, what I would picture that egg division, right? Is you make it, people look at it. And then of course you're going to get picked on. Like typically people aren't going to spend eight hours together as a massive group doing all these things, putting their time into it. They're going to throw, you know, a dozen plastic eggs together in, in a box and be like, here's my egg division. And somebody be like, they're not even wearing a uniform. They don't even have a face. What's wrong with your division? Right. And they go back and you get some arts and crafts time. Right. And it all depends on how you look at everything. Cause whenever we had arts and crafts things that we had to do, we looked at that as like a safe haven time that we could go spend making a thing and just kind of like laughing together, hanging out, doing whatever. The same idea of like, you know, it wasn't with our families cause we were underway, but we could go spend a few hours not getting yelled at for anything. And so we saw it as a win and then we could have fun, do something ridiculous with it and go from there. Um, when they told us to make like for our spikes, we had to make, they had to have a name. Ours was just specifically our divo was who the spike was, right? Which same idea, I think for you guys, but that was all we had. And then the idea would be like, all right, what's your divo's name? Right. So then we're all coming up with these absurd backstories and we're all laughing at each other. And of course we're all running on like negative sleep and, we thought it was funny. And so like we had fun with that and there is some part of that, that is fun. That would, that portion of it, we had fun. Like the five of us that made it together, we shared that bond. We never communicated that back to the rest of the mess though. And kind of spread that bond of like, Hey, this is why we did this, this is why we think it's funny, whatever. Cause of course, same thing. You get somebody staring at you like, Oh, you think this is funny. You think everything about a divo is funny. You think the fact that he got a D and you're like, no, I don't think, if I had a real deep divo, not a railroad spike, and he really got a DUI and really beat his wife, right? Like, I wouldn't sit here and laugh at it. I also wouldn't have 20 minutes of sleep. You know, this would be a normal world where I would have a normal, you know, the average amount of sleep that somebody would get. And yes, this would be a big deal and I would treat it differently. But like, you know, in the circumstances, I, yeah, I think this is super funny that you know, his name is Shathid Arangelo Jackson and, or whatever, right? Like you make up the most absurd things. And, and, uh, we never communicated that back because as soon as we got yelled at, it was like, oh, okay, we did this wrong. And for you guys, I think we kind of laid off of that, but the downside is that you miss that in an ideal world, it would be like, all right, Hey, whichever one is your LPO, uh, they've shown up, you know, they're, you're a number one EP on the boat. There are all these great things or whatever. And they've shown up drunk the last four days in a row. And it's like, what, what are you doing about that? Right. And the idea is to see what you do. Right. And it's, I'm a, I absolutely hate what ifs and hypotheticals because I can't, I don't, I have no idea. I don't know what to tell you. It's fake. It's made up. It's a, what if it's a hypothetical, none of that's real. I can't tell you what I would really do. I could tell you what I would like to do. I could tell you what I think the black and white answer is. I can tell you what, whatever, like, theoretically I would like to do, but I don't know. I'm not in that position. Right. And until you actually are, you have no idea what you're going to do. And that's one of the things I think is pretty common that keeps getting pushed into people throughout the season is like, Hey, we give you all these hypotheticals, but what would you really do? Right. There's a couple of people, I think through some of the trainings that would tell you that stuff throughout the season of like, you know, you guys say all these magical things of what would you do if this person did that? And it's like, no, like no joke. I don't care what the book says. What are you actually going to do? Right. And that's kind of where 
at least from my side of the fence, where a lot of that trading value came in, because then everybody would be like, oh, okay. In an ideal world, right, that's what would happen at the beginning of the training. But again, you weren't set up for any of that. Nobody tells you any of those things. Nobody prepares you that that's what should happen. And so you're mildly set up for failure. But if you showed up to those things and still had that, uh, you know, the, the old testicular fortitude right off the bat to say like, Hey, I don't care what the book answer is. Here's the book answer. Go read it on your own time. Right. But this is really what I would do. Contrary to X, Y, and Z, this is how I would handle it. Again, that goes back into where in the season would you say that? If you said that week one, we'd be like, you're the worst human being in the world and whatever. But if you said that like week four or five, we'd be like, okay, perfect. That's what I want. Right. But we never really got to that. It wasn't standardized. It wasn't pushed out of like, hey, this is what we want them to do with the egg division. It was somebody went, oh, yeah, we're supposed to do egg divisions. Let's have them do an egg division. We went, okay. And then there was no follow through with that, right? Which is totally on us. And we take that every season, just like everything else should have a hot wash. We'll sit down and we'll talk about it. Usually we should invite the selects because it'll be a lot of, Hey, this is what I thought we did. But then you're on the other side of it. And you can be like, yo, we did not get that out of that. I don't know what you thought you were doing, but that's not what we got. And then we know, Hey, that wasn't effective, et cetera, et cetera. Right. And that gets passed down to the next season and they do what they do with it. But, um, with egg division stuff specifically, I would just say that depends on, depending on when you look at it, right? In the moment you hung out for six to eight hours on a Saturday and you got to hang out with a bunch of people and have fun and not get yelled at by a bunch of people and you did something, whatever it was, right? Washing cars, you know, doing a gas and glass when we could do those and, or making eggs at some dude's farm, like, you still got to hang out and have a good time with everybody, which is kind of part of the point, right? Cause we push networking as a huge piece of the season. You still got to do that with everybody. I understand the frustration of afterwards of being like, what was the point of that? We didn't get, it's like, okay, so let's pretend that the eggs weren't the point. Let's pretend that you just had a Mando fun burger burn at some dude's house for eight hours. Like you still got the same thing. Like I still see it as a win on my side of you still got to go hang out with everybody and do all those things that were all good. Those were all bonus points. I get that the time spent on the eggs was wasted ultimately, whether by design or not it, I I would say that it wasn't intentionally wasted, but ultimately it was. So it doesn't really matter what was intended, right? The, you know, the road to hell is paved with good intentions, but Ultimately, you still got something good out of that, whether or not that was a happy accident or not. I see that as a win. But if you don't, then it doesn't really matter what during, I see, you know, during the the egg um, division at, you know, at this his house, um, there was a point where she looked at us and was like, man, this is awesome. This is, you know, the greatest thing. And like a light bulb popped um, popped on in our head and we're like, holy shit, like this. He actually like this is what we're supposed to be doing is like the camaraderie, the team building, the like, regardless of what our task is, like we're all together, we're having fun. Like, so there is a purpose behind it. And once we saw like one of the genuines, like this is fucking great. Like, this is awesome. I'm so glad you guys are doing this. Like, you know, like we're like, Oh, okay. Like this is what we're supposed to be doing. And hindsight, I don't think like, I still think that the, that the egg division thing that we're talking about was a win. I, I really do think it was a win. 
the point that I'm making is like, nobody walked away from this and thought that it like, we weren't getting anything out of it. And even after the point where we had to present them and we got a little bit of feedback and the like one dude, or maybe two dudes got some tasking on their divisions in the moment. After that point, they kind of, the egg division thing fizzled out. Isn't like the the main point that I'm making. I think just, it was like, once we got through the season and we're looking back on that, we were like, Oh wow, cool. That was like the first time where we really miss we were like one it was fun and and we came together and kind of figured out like how's like what's the appropriate way to accomplish things but the other thing looking back on it at the end of the season we were like wow we gave way too much time it's like the so like the 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 railroad spike thing you know like i i i've heard several stories from people that were like oh yeah i got a railroad spike during my season and like i took it home and i spent like 13 hours from the moment that i got it and then I bring it in the next day and it's like on a mirror shine. And they're like, great. Uh, how much time did you spend on that? And they're like 13 hours. And they're like, why, 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 why would you do that? Like you just took it home and you basically died on the hill the very first night. You didn't get any sleep. Now your thing looks super shiny, but like you're missing the point. So that's the same thing with that, with the egg divisions. I think like to kind of lend to the point you made really early on when we started recording was that, um, so for like, first of all, from like a, uh, nerdy curriculum standpoint, there's only, there's only uh, a certain extent to which you can formalize the season in terms of like, you know, uh, uh, learning objectives and whatever without, without the mess losing control over that. So uh, there's some ways that you can, there's some, there's some things that you can still do that would allow the mess to maintain control of it. Like if you approach it more from like a poem standpoint. Um, however, I think that a lot of the events could be, and again, this is just, I'm just a stupid guy that always has the answer and I just went through seasons. So I'm brand new. So like, feel free to say that everything I say is stupid. However, mm. If the, if those specific things that we've talked about so far, like we talked about plan of the week, we talked about egg divisions, whatever, if we go into those things and each one of those specific areas has like a poem that says, Hey, here's the intent of what we want people to get out of it. And here, here's how we're going to implement it, like the addendum or whatever. And then here are kind of like the pullout points or like the stop points of here's how much pressure I'm going to apply and at what points, and here's where I'm going to, I'm going to decide that like, all right, uh, continuing to apply pressure isn't effective anymore for, you know, and then this is what I expect to get out of it. This is why I expect them to get out of it. And we formalize that a little bit just so that we kind of know going in, like, how are we all just like the same lesson that we get the whole season is, Hey, the mess goes into the chief's quarters and we talk about stuff and we get the expectations from the Cobb or CMC. And then you know, everybody has their piece. And then regardless of what the differences are, we come out on a unified front. So the same principle kind of applies to season events where it's like, Hey, we, we should all be on the same page. And that, that way we don't have like the one or two people in the group that are kind of like, like, you know, steamrolling or, you know, kind of getting everybody off track with maybe that person doesn't get what the intent is or what everybody else's feelings are about, you know, at what point am I going to stop making people feel like that every answer is wrong or when am I going to let them have a win or whatever? And if the answer is like, they're just going to be wrong the whole season, then fine. But everybody understands that. Yeah. And that's the hard part of, of again, where it's individual, where like some people, when you see them go through the season, it's kind of one of those, like you can't let them have a win ever because they don't need that ever. Like that's not what they need. They need to hear they're just wrong which is wild as it sounds, right? 
somebody needs to hear that. So until you see them internalize, like, all right, maybe I'm not the smartest man in the room. I need to sit here quietly and I need to help lead from the rear and support and whatever. Right. Some people need to be humbled (laughs) for sure. That's a thing for, for some people. Right. But then there's other people where you're like this dude, you know, 72 hours in is just like, he is taking this way too intensely for what it is. And he needs to, he needs a win, right. To like stay motivated to get through the next six weeks or the next five weeks or whatever it is. And you're like, all right, maybe that's not who we're going to be picking on type deal as bad as all of that sounds to say that. But like the truth is right. Like you're trying to make every person better at whatever their weaknesses are. And so when you have that many people, the hard part is trying to come up with one standardized plan or schedule that's going to fit even with us. Like, like you were saying, we split it up between three groups of a ballpark 30 a piece and you can't get 30 people on one schedule based on what they're good or bad at or whatever. And like, you're going to have a handful that you're like, Hey, we should be PTing like, two days, six days a week, because a couple of these, like two of these people need it. But then somebody else can be like, Hey man, you also need to work on your egg division or you also need to work on this. You also, you know, there's a hundred different things that you have to work on. And a lot of that is still a drawn out big parallel to just being a chief in general, right? Like you work with a division, right? Like you have a decent sized division now. Um, and I know that you don't anymore because you just transferred and we kind of took it away from you. But in general, it's the, the same principle applies, right? You're going to have people that are like, yeah, no, I know how to work out and I'm fine and I enjoy it. And you're like, okay, cool. I don't need to make you work out twice a day, but I need to impress upon you that these other people do, or I got it. You're qualified, you know, Mick Pond, but these other people are not. And so you need to make them or you personally need to go make sure those people learn how to do those things and get them qualified, those things. And you have to push those individually, but you still have one cohesive schedule that you have to push for your season. Right. So you're going to have different kind of, you're going to have like your overall, this is where the, you know, the, the train is moving along down the tracks towards point B, but within that, right, you're going to have a bunch of side quests of like, hey, we also need to work on this. Hey, they need to work on their admin. Hey, they need to work on this. And that's where I think it's while I understand and I agree and I appreciate the idea of a standardized loose IG poem, how, whatever you want to call it, right? Like data points. This is what we need to go over. And this is our tripwires for each one of these things. I I just see that it's so different and individualized because you care about each person that I don't see how it's, I'm not saying it's not possible, right? Cause sure. Everything's possible. Blah, blah, blah. Right. Go through what all those standard speeches, but I don't see in my relatively limited time on the other side, I don't see how you can standardize any of that, like how I could do that and then apply that to CBs in Gulfport, Mississippi, and then what they should be doing. Right. And like, I get it. We're all working towards the same thing of making successful chiefs because the idea is in a perfect world, you get pinned on Friday, Monday, you show up to work and you guys are just crushing it day one because you are, you've learned all these things and you know what to do. Right. Or at least know how to handle it. Personally, I think that's super unrealistic 
but I feel like you could at least give people the starting points of like, Hey, if this stuff happens, this is how you should deal with it. Right. And that's the things they should learn. But I don't feel like what a CB in Gulfport and then a Submariner in, you know, Groton, there's no way, like, there's some very high level things that are going to apply across the board, but a majority of those things, like your day to day is so vastly different and what you care about is so different that I don't see how you could standardize that. And that's excluding like five other communities at least. Right. So I don't see how there's a way to standardize that of like, some people are going to say like, no man, the plan of the week and the phone card is super important, you know? And some people are going to be like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. Why are you doing any time on that? But, and I understand with like, when you were talking about tunnel vision and like somebody yells at you about something, you're like, all right, that's what we're going to go conquer. And you do that. And then the, you just get yelled at because you didn't widen your aperture and mm. look at all the other things that are going on. And that's not wrong. Cause that same thing happens to us at work every day. And then also I understand the idea of like, I could have spent those eight hours doing anything else. Right. Because ultimately this didn't matter. I, you could have bought a dozen eggs at the dollar general plastic eggs, put them in a cardboard box and said, here's my division. I'm going to bed because I need sleep or I'm going to go do anything else that matters more. Right. And both of those are right answers and also wrong answers. Like that's the hard part, right? Cause there, there is always a way to say that you're wrong the entire season. Especially if all of you are not on the same page. So if like one of us wasn't going to do something, we're like, Oh man, like, okay, we need to like all not do it then. Because I think they wanted to see like cohesiveness and like agreement, upon, like teamwork, you know, all of us, if one of us is not showing up with our CPO selectee badge, then none of us are. Again, that's the hard part, right? Is like, I can't speak on behalf of the however many chiefs are in the Navy right now, but I would say that it's less that I want all of you the same. I want to know that if somebody is different and I say, why are you different? Why are you doing that? I want them to push back and say, this is why we're doing it and stand up for themselves or whatever, or say, this is what we decided on or haven't just have any answer other than like, Oh, okay. I guess I'm just the worst human being. I'll go put my badge on or take it off or whatever. Right. Because that doesn't do me any good because I don't need that. That's, that's what I would expect from any second class to answer. And I don't, we have second classes that do great things. I don't, I wouldn't expect a second class to be like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard of. Well, I kind of would expect them to say that, but you know what I mean? Like <laughs> submariner for sure. Yeah, no, I, I actually kind of appreciate that, but, but you know what I mean? Like I, I want like when you find like that, you know, the weakest link, so to speak, who's not wearing, and you can tell they're like, I'm super uncomfortable. I'm walking in this room and I don't have the badge on. I'm thinking I'm supposed to have the badge on. And they're like, Hey, why aren't you wearing a badge? And they're like, I, uh, I don't know what to, I, I have to go to the bathroom now. And then they just walk out and you're like, okay, well, that guy needs to understand that whatever the answer is, right? Because the parallel for all that is, say, for Sailor of the Year or Junior Sailor of the Year for us, right? And we say, hey, Chief, why did that guy win Sailor of the Year? This other person did X, Y, and Z. Make that make sense to me, right? And you're going to have that you know, 
jerky five who doesn't see who's just going to say what's on his mind, which isn't wrong. And you're going to have to go, all right, shit, mate, listen, this is why we had to do this. Right. And you have to give some answer. That happened to me and last week. A hundred percent. And you're going to get that from somebody when you don't agree with that answer, mm-hmm. but you have to mm-hmm. right? that whole, like we go into the mess, we make a decision. This is what the answer is. And you come back out and somebody's like, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard of. And you're going to, in the back of your mind, you're going, uh-huh. I know. When I was asked that, I was, that. I was thinking in my head, like give the chief answer, not the, you know, first class answer. Cause I was like, you're a chief now, you're a chief now, you're a chief now. I was like, <laughs> you know, I would just, my, my answer was completely different. Like I kind of had to bite my tongue um, and, and you know, it, it sucked, but or, sorry, it didn't suck. It was just, it, it, it didn't feel genuine. It didn't. Yeah. It didn't. I was like, like crap, like, all right give them the right, like the chief answer that like they need to hear. And we get sucked into a lot of like, like, what are they, like, what do they want me to say right now? What do they want to hear right now? Well, that's, but that's, that's literally what our job is. Like yep. that's the prime example of like, Hey, make this make sense. This is, this sounds stupid. I disagree with it. And in your head, you're going, uh-huh, me too. But I can't tell you that because all that does is undermine everything. And ultimately you need to have for the better of the organization, right? You need to kind of bite your tongue and be like, Yep. This is why we did it. And at least repeat the party line or whatever this, whatever the situation is, right? You need to be able to explain those things. This is why we did this. This is what the answer is because whether or not you specifically agreed, the mess as a whole has agreed. This is what the answer is. Sometimes it's a mess as a whole. Sometimes you get 51% by the CMC. Sometimes it is what it is, right? But you need to come out with that same standard answer because if you come back and be like, yep, cop just overrode me and this is why this happened all you do is make the cop look like an idiot which is terrible for everybody and so on and so forth so that's the hard part with those things is you when we pick on somebody about like why don't you have a why are you wearing a a brown belt why are you wearing why are you wearing a brown belt not a black belt and it's like well i don't uh like i don't really care what your answer is i just want to see like is it similar is it does it make sense? Like, are you standing your ground and like everybody is saying like, because that's what we're supposed to wear. I'm breaking like, it in. Yeah. And you're just like, okay, like somebody's going to tell you that you're wrong. No matter what, a bunch of people are probably not really going to care. Somebody probably your sponsor is going to be like, I don't know, just own it. You know, tell them whatever, tell them to beat feet and who cares. Right. And I then walk out of their point of like uh, the, the part of the season being individualized, which I really appreciate because like, um, like it's really easy to, to look back on this season and nitpick the, like some specific things. Like we, I feel like we beat the egg division kind of to death, but um, like looking back on the season for me, it would be really easy for me to take individual events and say, and just nitpick them and say like, Oh, I feel like this was constructive or not constructive. But at the end of the day, I do feel like for me personally, that there were like to kind of lend to your point about the individualization, that there were people that were targeting me and making sure that I was getting the things that I needed out of the season. And those, because those people knew what I needed out of it, perhaps even if there was a poem and saying like, Hey, this is what we want people to get out of this or whatever. It's still going to miss the mark to the extent because you have to know the people that are going through it and what those people need. So in my, in my case, there was definitely a lot of things that I needed out of the season. And I feel like that there were individuals that saw that and went after it and gave it to me. And so I got a lot of that constructive stuff out of the season that wouldn't necessarily have been covered by something like a poem that says like, Hey, this is what they should get out of it. And this is where they should 
you know, this is, this is at the point where they should push back and then you should accept it or whatever. Or this is until this point, they should, if they say something, you should say, no, that's stupid and you suck or whatever. Right. And for everybody that might be a little bit different. And for me, it was probably like you suck until the very end specifically and, because that was kind of where I, what I needed out of it. And that's the, uh, and that's the hard part too, because like I had not necessarily a similar situation in that everybody just told me I suck till the end people just kind of told us all that we sucked until the end, but it was very much of a, I didn't know what was real, what wasn't right. Because obviously you're never going to know because you don't get told. And I, and I still stand by, I don't think necessarily that you should. And also not just because I don't think that you should know, but because I don't, I don't have a firm grasp that we know what is real. What's not, what's a training thing what we're trying to drive point because nobody's gonna look around the room and be like hey i'm about to yell at this guy to make sure that he understands this right and then you guys are sitting at the front of the room like okay we didn't hear any of that and then they're gonna be like hey you you suck because of this and you're gonna be like oh okay for sure i totally didn't hear you explaining why you're gonna tell me that right like in those individualized moments you're not going to be able to you don't have the time to give like the training time out shout earmuffs and explain like, Hey, I need to make sure this guy knows that his point is good and he just needs to have a backbone. You can't do that. So then the hard part is like who, or who has the authority to like be the loudest voice in the room that nobody's going to trump that nobody's going to say, Hey, that guy's an idiot. Don't listen to him. Usually it falls back on rank, right? That's where your cob would fall in. You know, if you're on the boat, I would imagine it would probably be your cob. If he says something, I would not expect like, your, you know, first year sonar chief to be like, well, you know, this is what Cobb just said, but like, that's not going to happen, but you're not going to have, like, what do we have? Like six people at least at our command specifically that are post or post or Cobbs. Yeah. And so they're all going to have di- that's six different points of view. They're going to be pretty similar of what works and what doesn't, but like which one of them trumps the next one. Right. Looking, like, looking back, I think that was kind of an asset for us. And I, I thought about that a lot because, um, like at the constitution for heritage week, one of the senior mentors that was there, I remember talking about, he had some similar views with, uh, with on like the season and specifically about like his skepticism about the season and how effective it is and how we, how we implemented it, whatever. And I've heard like in getting charges from other genuines during the season, I remember specifically, like there was a few people that said, uh, things like, Hey, this are, these are things in the season that I just didn't care about, or these are things in my charge book that I just didn't do. And, um, when I, I remember coming back from heritage week after that one specific senior mentor that talked to me and I, I was approaching a lot of the stuff with the season about like with skepticism about like, Hey, I've kind of heard from the senior guy that this, maybe this, isn't, like, maybe this isn't very important. The things that we're doing that being said though, um, like I said, we nitpicked, we, we can nitpick a lot of things about our season specifically. That being said, we had a lot of like, like you said, post tour cobs and a lot of senior people. And we had a lot of really great feedback and we had a lot of participation. I've seen some of the stuff that people told me about like, Hey, you know, week one, week two, week three PT, you're going to see a ton of people. And then it's going to kind of fizzle off. And then all of a sudden at half at, at the final night, everybody wants to be a part of it again. And I, I, for our command specifically, I think we did a good job because we had some people that were like specifically interested in making sure that people that kind of like weren't participating, didn't come to final night. Um, but I was thinking a lot about how um, like 
what are other commands going like, like the people that kind of told me their opinions about the season that they didn't really like the season or they didn't think it was effective. And I was thinking about like, what season did they go through? Because I know there's people and I've talked to friends of mine who like, there's a, uh, there's a friend of mine who was deployed the whole season. And so he's on a submarine and small crew, 150 people ish, 140 people. And he's got, I don't know what, like 15, 15 20 chiefs. Yeah. 15 to 20. Um, and so what kind of season is he experiencing? You know, how, like did, does his mess have the benefit of having 400 people that can say, Hey, these are the things we want to do. These are the things that we think are effective. And these are the things that we want to implement in our season or, um, or, you know, they're so cut off and limited and what things that they want to include in the season that they're like, all right, these are the things we're going to do. Um, but at the, like in the end, at the end of the season, this guy's got what, you know, 15 charges in his charge book and he's got, 15 people that are figuring out what things they want to do for the season. And the thought that I keep having is like, how different was his season from mine? He hasn't come back yet. So I haven't had a chance to really compare notes with him, but like, you know, is that going to be a guy that has like a crappy season? Like, and I'm not saying that he is, but like in the, in the event that he has a crappy season, is it because he has such a, a he, his mess is so limited in the fact that they don't have a bigger group to lean on that has way more experience. And instead of just having one cob, they've got six post tour cobs at their command and they can like, that's it, just your command. Yeah. So like, you know, and that kind of also goes back to the point of like how much of it should be standardized and like predetermined or how much of it should be information that's provided to all the messes so that they can take all those things and say, Hey, we're going to pick these things you want to do for our season. Cause it, in the, like maybe for that guy, it means that like his mess kind of just winged it and said, these are the things we did in our season that we thought were good and bad. And it's a group of 15 people instead of a group of a hundred or 200 or 400, you know? So like if his season was worse, I would feel bad for him because I felt like as silly as some of the stuff felt like it was for our season and whether or not I felt like I got something out of each thing that we did all season long in the end I can look back on it. And as much as I could nitpick individual things, I totally feel like I got what I needed out of it. And, um, and I liked our season and like understanding there are flaws. We talked about those with the mess, with the communication and what things people knew and they didn't know. I still feel like that our season was absolutely a net positive. Yeah. yeah, yeah. I but agree. I don't envy the guys who have to go through that are going through it with just a mess of 15 and they're totally isolated. And some of the stuff I think is cool. Like I've talked to a ton of people who went through their season while they were deployed or whatever. And they're like, you know, their box, like they're, our vessels are really cool. We have a lot of really cool stuff in our vessels. We had a ton of resources, right? We have like mystic seaport here and we got a bunch of really cool wood, all the wood in our vessels has a great story to it. And then I've seen vessels from people who were deployed and they were like, we got pallet wood and we had a lathe in, you know, in the shaft alley. And like, this is how we did our, and it's cool. Those things still have a story. When you look at theirs next to mine, mine is fancier, but theirs I think is cooler because like they had to figure it out. You know, they were like, hey, we did a BSP and we kept the pallet wood and we made it work. And uh, so at, like that, some of those things are unique and, and, and pretty rad about like people who had to go through it differently than I had to go through it. Um, at the same time, I, there's a part of me that wonders like, okay, did they get anything I didn't get because of that environment or did they miss anything that I got because of that environment? The, the hard part with a lot of that, I think, is it takes, we don't necessarily enforce, empower, uh, inform, whatever word you want to use. Um, but we don't necessarily push on you that you should be getting what you get out of it. And we kind of, 
at least from what I've seen, we portray it as I will tell you what you're supposed to get out of this. And so you take your own brain out of it. And you go, okay, he said that we're supposed to understand time management, but, and you, you lose a lot of, if you were just to not get told anything or not kind of get pushed that narrative and you went home at the end of the day, you'd be like, ah, oh, this is what I took out of that. And you would have your own time to reflect, right? Which is usually what the, in your charge book, you have your own little journal at the back, right? That somebody's supposed to review. And the idea is to kind of see what your thoughts are, what you are getting out of those things, right? When you have those reviewed by whoever. I always felt weird giving mine to my sponsor. And I think that was like my sponsor I picked because I he was a dude that I didn't know. He was doing well, but he was one of the few chiefs. You picked your sponsor? So for, again, different every season, every area, but they told us to route a request shit at the very beginning to pick a, co- a sponsor and a co-sponsor. And we had to explain why we picked each one. And so I picked my sponsor and it was a dude that he was the person that I knew the least at the command. And I said, he was, he seemed to be doing well, you know, not that I sat in on the chief rankings as a first class, but my assumption from what I could gather was he was probably ranked pretty high, which he was. But I said, this dude is obviously doing something right. He's doing it well. Uh, I don't hear anything bad said about him. I don't know him at all, but he's doing something right. So I feel like I should talk to the guy who's, you know, winning the game and figure out how he's winning the game. You know, like, what do I need to do? It's more like him. And then my secondary was more or less. He was just a friend who he had made it the year before. Um, his wife and my wife were good friends. And so I kind of said, Hey, he's just somebody that I feel comfortable venting with. And so I wanted to talk to him because I could get, uh, I felt like I could get real answers or real responses from a dude that I could get an answer for like, Hey man, I'm not going to give you weird nonsense answers. I'm going to give you the answers because like we've hung out and had beers before and our families are friends and whatever. So that's why I picked him and I explained all that. And I said, I, I don't really know this guy that well, but I wanted him to be my sponsor because I feel like he's doing well and not that the rest of you aren't and yada, yada, yada. Right. Because against the chief season, so you feel like every word that you say is going to get torn apart. And if you say like, Cause he's doing really well. Everybody else can be like, Oh, so I'm not doing well. Being a chief just isn't good enough. And you know, and it's okay. Sure. But I said, he, I don't know him. This is a forced function for me to know him better. He's doing something right. I want to know what that is. And I want to add that to my toolbox. Right. Everybody else I feel pretty comfortable with. I've talked to them plenty from one reason or another, but like when he was saying the, the idea of, you know, having 15 vice 80 chiefs to draw from or whatever. I don't necessarily think that that's limiting. I think that it can be, but I think that the awkwardness of knowing your chiefs that you're going through it with compared to not knowing them. Right. So you mean the genuines or yes. the, yeah. So like we know a guy who he was uh, one of my LPOs. He just transferred out to San Diego got out there within a month. He found out he made cheese and they just got back from a seven month deployment. Their whole crew is super tight. They all know everybody and he knows nobody. 
his, he's walking in like, I don't know anybody. I don't know what to do. They don't know who I am. They don't care about what I've done at the previous command because nobody cares about what you did at used to fish. And, and I get that, but he was like, I, I just don't, I don't, he didn't have like the warm and fuzzy. He didn't have that guy of like, oh, I've been underway with this guy. I know that I can go talk to this person about these things, or I know that this guy has these issues. He was comfortable here and shined here where. Right. Yeah. I see what and I see so what the hard mean. part for me is I do feel like he would have gotten more out of going through it here. For sure. Yep. However, I don't feel like it's a waste for him to go through it out there. And I feel like there's a lot to gain of that forced, like there's that, you just have to emphasize a different piece of it. Right. And so when I talked to him, cause he called me almost weekly for a while and it was trying to explain to him like, Hey man, I get that you don't know any of the people there, right? Like you don't feel comfortable with any of those chiefs, but like understand that if I showed up tomorrow and walked into one of your things and said like, Hey man, let's go, whatever. They would all just be like, all right, cool. Let's go do this stuff. Right. Because there's like this weird, good, bad, otherwise, right? Like there's a, an assumed like, Hey, you've done the same loose function that I've done. You've gone through the same process. And so you must be doing well because you've gone through it and I'm do. I went through it. So we have like a shared, weird, loose bond. And that's where you kind of have that weird tie. I feel weird with the whole, like, I constantly joke about that. Everybody brothering everybody, you know, like, Oh, it's a brother. Hey brother, 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 (laughs) you know, like this isn't a WWF, whatever, right. Or WWE now. Sorry. But like, I, it's also weird to me because I'm an only child. So I didn't grow up with any of that. I don't have any like blood siblings like that. So I don't have that weird tie where when people are like, well, how would you treat your brother? And I'm like, I don't know. They don't exist. Like it, it's not like, it's not a real thing. I can't pretend to make up how I was raised. Like, I, I don't, I don't know what you're talking about, dude. I don't know how I would treat a brother. It literally did not exist for the last 30 years of my life. Why would it exist? Like, I can't pretend to know that, but you understand it now more, or I understand it more now probably not in the same sense. Right. Cause again, I don't have that same experience to draw from, but I do have that like familial tie to certain people. I do still have that weirdness though. If somebody just showed up and checked in, they check in tomorrow, just the fact that they have an anchor. I'm not like, wow, you're the most amazing person on the earth. Like it's not true. That's not true. Anybody at any rank, like good, bad, or otherwise they show up. There's P's, MPs and MPs at every rank. So when they check in, like, I don't, I don't know what they did. I don't know where they were at. I don't know. Like, it's still going to take me a minute to feel them out and see how they go. But, but I have to assume that they did the right things to get to that point at least. Right. And so when they show up, I have to at least assume, right. If you like buy into the peer principle that he did a whole thing on that, you people get promoted to their highest level of incompetence. So like, if you were a great first class, you'll make chief. If you don't make senior chief, you were not a good chief. Actually, I really like that theory. And I like that line of thinking. I, I agree that there are some limitations to it, right? It's a theory. There's always some, there's always going to be exceptions, but I think there's always generally is a pretty, is a pretty good way of thinking. Right. Like if you were a really good cob, but you'd never go CMC, does that make you a terrible cob because you never went CMC? You're like, no, not necessarily. Right. But I get that there's obviously exceptions to everything, but 
in that same mindset, when some dude checks in as a chief, I don't, I'm not like, okay, well, my immediate thought based on that though is like, okay, you at least checked all the boxes. You did all the right things as a first class. Somebody in the chief's mess at some point in your career fought for you to get a decent eval to do all those right things. Somebody believed in you and you kind of have to believe in the system or none of that matters. Cause if you don't believe in any of the system, then none of that means anything. Right. And you're like, okay, cool. You're a mess chief. You just did the right things. And it's like, well, somebody fought for me and I was an EP. And it's like, I, I don't care. That doesn't matter. Like you have to buy into some piece of it at some point or literally none of it matters. But when I was talking to him, I was trying to explain like, Hey man, you, you don't know any of these people, but you also don't know what they know or don't know. Get what you can from those people, right? Like you're going to get somebody who is going to be out of 15. You're not going to get 15 bangers. You can't have 15 EPs, right? It just doesn't exist in any command anywhere. There's going to be somebody that's like, yeah, dude, this guy's a P that we're just dragging along at every rank that's going to exist. And so I was like, still like, go talk to that dude. Still go get a charge phone. I get it that you don't have 55 people that you can talk to. You only have 15, but like talk to that person. You're an adult, fully formed brain functioning human being. And you're going to go, this guy's an idiot and or not. And when they talk to you and you can listen to them and you can be like, oh, okay, I think this guy's an idiot. Or I think this guy does have some nugget of wisdom or whatever they told me and wrote in my book. You can be like, ah, oh, that makes sense. Or that sounds stupid. And I'm going to do the opposite of that or whatever the case is, right? You can still take something from any, every interaction with somebody and I think that most people would argue that whether it's, I think generally speaking, the common theme that you've probably been told from most people, right? They, yeah, there's a constant like, well, there's 400 chiefs on this base. Why don't you have 400 charges yet? But ultimately, if you said, I got 20 because I care about these 20 people's opinions, you're not necessarily wrong. I would guarantee there's more than 20 that have a valid lesson to learn, but the point of you're getting quantity or quality over quantity is still important, right? So yeah, you're going to sit down with the chief who's going to be a bottom P who will forever be a bottom P who's in your mess and you only have 15. So that's your only choice, right? You're going to sit down and talk to them, but you can still listen to them and talk to them and be like, okay, how did this person maybe ask him? Maybe not. I don't know. I guess it depends on your confidence level or your comfort level, but you can straight ask them like, yo, why are you a bottom P forever? Or you could just in the back of your mind, you're thinking of everything they're saying of like, why is this person in my head, the bottom P, what can I gain from that to not be that person? Or you're just happy being that person. I don't know what, you know, it is what it is, but, um, there's always something to gain from each of those. I will say though, that with a lot of the random like all the red herring taskers or all the random things that were sent out to meant to overload people i feel like when you talk to whether it was your direct sponsor or especially when you would talk to any of the cops right they would tell you like who cares why are you doing that i don't care about that and they would generally speaking most of the the seasoned or senior or however you want to phrase it the people who have seen it and done it long enough they would pretty openly tell you like, I don't care about that. So stop caring about that. This is what matters. Focus on these things. Right. And it sounds like a trap because literally everything in the season sounds like a trap. And I get that. But 
interactions that I was around, I never felt like anybody led you astray or gave you bad advice on those things. The problem, the problem with that is like to go back to the whole point of, okay, like I want, I want to see you make a decision and then I want to see you own it. And I want to know why you made it is, uh, just because I go to somebody and they say like, Oh, why do you care about that? Or, you know, that's stupid. You shouldn't care about that. And then I don't do it. And then I go into like a training event and there's like, you know, there's 30 people, there's 30 selects in my mess. And then there's like 50 people sitting behind us. And then they're like, why didn't you do it? And it's like, oh, because this guy said I shouldn't care about it. Like, that's not an answer. That's not, that's not an adequate answer. And like, that's, that's kind of a trap. You know what I mean? Like we've, we've talked about that a little bit. That That's definitely a trap. It's like, okay, so why, why don't you care? Cause mass chief told me that I shouldn't care. Isn't really like the right answer. And that like, I had like, I had a couple of times where that got me almost hemmed up because I was like, I, I knew there was things that I like I knew didn't matter. And it was kind of towards like the middle, maybe towards like the middle end of the season where um, like there's certain parts of the season where I feel like are probably pretty universal and talking with guys that went through seasons in different places. have got the same picture of like, like you mentioned the red herring taskers, like part of this whole thing is, and it should be pretty universal for every chief season is uh, at least based on what I've learned from people that I've talked to that have gone through it years and years ago. And up until now, people that went through it in other places was like, um, I'm going to get more things than I can handle, right? That's kind of the point is our group is going to get more things than we can handle. We're not going to be able to accomplish everything in the, the timeline that we're given. And so we're going to have like part of the expectation is we're going to learn time management and we're going to decide what things matter. How much time do I, do I assign for each? What things am I willing to miss the deadline on? And then once I do that, how do I communicate that? Like, do I communicate to somebody that, uh, Hey, I'm going to miss the deadline on this. And here's why. Cause I've got X, X, X and X thing. That's more important that I have, that I have to give more priority to, and I'm going to own it and sell it that way. And then I'm going to, uh, and then I'm going to provide like, here's what I expect. Here's when I expect to have this thing finished. And then once I do that for whatever task it is, and I say, Hey, I'm not going to get this done on time. This is when I'm going to get it done. Do I blow past that second time that I say, I'm going to get it done again. And those are some of the lessons that everybody should be getting. It sounds like everybody is getting. It's like the theme is I'm going to get too many things to handle. I'm going to have to decide what things I'm going to do. I'm going to have to decide what things that get pushed to the back. And then I'm going to give like a realistic expectation of when it's going to get done. Not like I'm sitting in training and they said, okay, well, you didn't get it done. When are you going to get it done? All right. Our next training is in two days, tomorrow. two days tomorrow. Yeah. You know, like, or am I going to say, Hey, like, I'm going to, like, I need, I need another, like, I have these things and and I need, I need a week or whatever it's. And then you like, like the, the guy that, and like, we had no shortage of this, of the guy who's like, you know, we all decide not to wear the badges. And then there's the one guy that wants to wear the badge and he's like, and then they ask him and he's like, I'm not going to, I'm, I'm still wearing the badge because that was the thing we said we were going to do. And then, you know, and then we're all like, Oh, this guy's making us look stupid or whatever. And that's going to be the guy that's going to say, we're going to get this done tomorrow, you know? And then we had to go, no, like <laughs> we're not, we're not doing that. We can't do that. So, um, but the lesson is still valid. Like the lesson that I got out a lot of that was, and my sponsor was super helpful with this was, um, Hey man, like if you have to tell the captain that you're not going to accomplish this thing in the time that he expects it to get done and you're going to, you're going to help him understand why you're going to explain why you can't get it done. I have these other things and this is why they're more important. And then you're going to give him another date of this is when it's going to get done. Like this is the kind of like the, like there were certain events in the season where they were like, Hey, don't, don't, uh, don't phone this in. Like there were things that they were like, Hey, 
my sponsor said the same thing. Like, Hey man, these, these things are kind of like red herrings. These things do me a favor and don't phone these in. Same thing with giving, if I got to tell the captain, this is like, I'm not going to make this deadline, but this is when I'm going to have it done. Don't phone that in. Those are the nights when you're going to spend, you know, in real life, if you don't get, if you get 30 minutes of sleep because you're getting something ready for him, that's already been delayed or whatever the case is like, Right. That's a valid reason to get 30 minutes of sleep type deal. Yep. Cause like you owe that to that guy. But if it's like, well, I don't know, just any of the red herring tasking and it's like, why did you get this done? You're gonna be like, sir, I've got uh, 500 things that are more important than that. I'll get back to you. Like, yes, they're the captain, but you know, everybody wakes up the same way. They all go to sleep the same way. They use the same bathroom. They don't have a magic toilet. They put pants on the same way, they tie their boots the same way. Like they're still real people who have a lot going on their own plate. They understand that there's some things that you're just going to have to say, Hey man, we're just not going to do that. And they just, it sounds kind of messed up, but sometimes like, you know, COs or whoever, they need the same pushback because if, they keep just throwing out taskers and people just keep getting it done. You kind of get this like God complex of like, I just said jump. And they all said how high. And at some point you need to be like, you know, we're tired. We're not going to do that. Like, that's a ridiculous. I understand that you care about this and this and this, but this is why it's a bad idea. And somebody needs to tell them those things. And I get that, you know, in the real world as and somebody's always going to be like, well, this is the first year chief. I was on the, and there's always going to be an exception, right? But in general, right? Like it's probably not going to be the first year chief on a boat who's like, sir, I'm the only voice of reason in this mess. And you're, this is the reason, like that's not going to happen realistically. And, and so I get that that's kind of a weird lesson to learn at that early, but because we don't continue that, right? Like there's no second season, like, we don't say, you know, we don't look around at like a bunch of chiefs and like, Hey man, I feel like you missed some things. You're going to go through the spring season. <laughs> you know, you get like a three week spring season where you're going to go through it again. Like that doesn't happen, you know? So what they got is what they got, which is why we put so much time and effort into it because we also realize that more or less everything else after that is just kind of, hopefully you figured it out, which I'm not saying is right. It's just realistic with the way it is. Right. Like nobody sat me down and said, regardless of what you learn, this is what it's going to be. This is what, whatever the case is like, nobody's, nobody's ever sat me down and had like those kind of lessons at, you know, years after I went through, but shy of maybe like working on my cop card, you sit down with people and it's very similar of getting charges. I mean, it's literally called the charge book and you sit down with people and yes, it's similar as like ships. you, there's some expected baseline knowledge, but there's the realistic, like, yo, how did you deal with this? What is, why is this a big deal? Why is this, what should I have gathered out of this? How has this bit you before whatever the case is? And, and you get those things out of it. But if you're not working on that and that's not like a thing you want to go do, like you don't get any of that data ever. And so you just have people that you just kind of, they go through the season, you send out into the wild and be like, well, hopefully six weeks is all you ever needed to know about how to be a good chief for the rest of your career, there which is crazy. Like but one of the first things that somebody told me was, uh, and I actually, I think this was your boss that said there are people that, uh, like don't need the season. 
like it's okay. So like assuming a group as big as ours, all right, we had a ton of people in our group and he said, there's, there's people in your group that probably don't need the season very much. And there's people that are going to benefit from it. Uh, they would probably be okay without it. And there's people that will fail without it. And there's probably a couple people in there that are going to fail either way. Um, like there were definitely some, uh, of the lessons that were made more clear through charges. Cause we talked about charge book. Like one of them is a chief that we've already, a CMC that we've already talked about, um, here that told me specifically about like, uh, when we were talking about, uh, like, like communicating with the CEO, which I think was like a huge topic and very important, which like as a rate, as a radioman was something that, uh, wasn't super foreign to me because radioman, we have to talk to the captain all the time, but very differently, even as a, like a first class and a second class, sometimes even a third class, I had a lot of interaction with the captain that other rates don't necessarily get. So you have that, familiarity with dealing with him, but in a very different capacity. Yes, and, that, and it's super different. One of the lessons that I got from that CMC was like, it was a lesson learned about, Hey, here's how you don't communicate with the captain when he comes up to you and says, Hey, why didn't this thing get done in the chow line? And then I say this thing in front of everybody. And then that was the absolute worst time and place and way to communicate that to the captain. And there was an effective way to communicate that. And I missed the mark. And we got a lot of that out of the, um, the heritage weeks because one thing I really liked about Heritage Week was there was a lot of like super hot senior mentors there and, uh, you know, they're all hot runners. Right. And however, every single one of them that I got a charge from was very, very open about their shortcomings and none of them had to be right. They were all like super hot. Like there was one specific, uh, senior chief that was very open about the fact that like, Hey, I'm, I'm like new as a chief. Like I, I, I was a sale of the year. I got pinned to chief paid immediately. And then I put on senior two years later and, you know, and she, she didn't have to tell me that, you know what I mean? Um, and everybody was very open about their shortcomings. The bull nuke was there, gave me a charge and was very open about his failures. Um, your boss is one of those has been really great as far as like super accomplished guy post serve Cobb and is very open about his shortcomings and where he failed. And I've learned more from those people that are open about their failures and the people that are just like, I'm super hot and this is why you should listen to me. These are people that are like, Hey, I've accomplished a ton, but here's where I failed. And here's where I could have totally like it, my, my, my career could have been over. And that was, I felt like that was more beneficial in like the charges than a lot of the other stuff that we talked about was people that were super open about, um, like where they went, where they failed and what their hardest lessons were. And I'm definitely one of those types of dudes that I learned most of my lessons the hard way. And then I try not to learn them again. So hearing those from other people put into perspective, a lot of the season events of like, Hey, you know, one of these things we're talking about is like, Hey, you've told us that you're, you know, Hey, you didn't get your spikes done on time or whatever the thing was. And it's like, okay, here's why. All right. Well, here's your next, um, you know, when are you going to have it done? And then we say a date and then, uh, okay, here's why it's important that you don't like phone the date in and say like a date that's, that's like reasonable and that you actually get it done. And here's why, because when you go to the captain and then you say, you know, um, like I can't get this done because X, Y, Z, and this is when I'm going to have it done. Why is that important? And it's because I've learned this lesson the hard way. And here's why, because I start losing credibility with the captain when I tell him things. And then he thinks I don't know, you know, I don't, he thinks that I don't know my job or how long it's going to take to get something done or what my limitations are or whatever, because I'm giving him a date and I don't understand why I'm giving him that date. And then I miss the date. So like a lot of those lessons are made way more clear through the process of like getting charges. So that's a common thing that he told you from the beginning till the end and, and clarified at the end too, of like, he made a point of, we would say like, Hey, when your vessel is going to be done. Right. Obviously it takes a while to make 
30 plus vessels and whatever, depending on how you make it and whatever, right? It could take a day. It could take 30 days. It is what it is. Um, and I'm not going to tell you to make it faster, easier, cheaper, or whatever. Um, cause there is something about that, uh, just the process of making that, right? That, you know, similar to the egg division, right? You, you spend six to eight hours with somebody. There's something cathartic standing around and you can all laugh about whatever, running wood through a table saw and doing whatever, clamping stuff up. There's something about that, but there is, um, in the scheme of things of what's important and what's not, I usually tell people like the same thing I probably told you, like, what do you see any chief have five years later after they make it? They've got a charge book inside of us. What are the only two things that you're going to have forever? Yeah. And so like, I've never seen somebody sit around like eight years later, like some retired guy doesn't have a weird wooden egg division sitting on his desk during the season. Right. He's got a vessel and a charge book inside of it. And None of us are trying to tell you what you should learn out of it. Um, you kind of want that sort of self-discovery of like, what did you get out of it? And is that useful or not? And I can tell you what I think, you know, what I got out of it or what I think we were driving home. But if you got something else out of it, any interaction that was beneficial, then it was a win. But ultimately, like, we're not trying to, I'm not telling you what you're supposed to learn. Like, I want you to learn something out of it on your own. And so that's the hard part of like, I can't tell you afterwards, like, Hey, you spent eight hours on eggs. That's the biggest waste of your time. Like, I think that's dumb because if you gain something out of those eight hours and that, that you can use in the future, then I see it as a win. Right. I don't care if you spend eight hours, eight minutes or eight days on it. Like it is what it is. If you gain something from it, I see it as a win it may not be necessarily what we were driving towards. So, um, and that's where you're going to get pushed back from somebody like, does that really seem like a useful use of your time? Like, no, not, I don't think eight hours. I think two would have been fine, but also we were just having fun hanging out together. And it's like, okay, well that is a good useful, you know, use of your time or whatever. We also did hundreds of eggs because we did eggs for everybody. So yeah, yeah that just, made it just, just made, yeah, we made, we made way too many. So, um, it just, that's why I think a big ch- chunk of our time was taken up is because we were like covering, like there's people that couldn't be there. So we were covering for them and getting it done because, um, they couldn't put on their, like, you know, or they were like number one priority on vessels at the same, like, exactly. Yeah. Like six people working on vessels at the same time that weren't there. We we're covering for them. And then, yeah. Right. So like we felt like idiots because we had of the five of us, we were underway and they're like, Hey, you guys, we had our first PT handful of people there, like literally like four. And we're like, where's the other 22 people? You know, and it's like, well, did you invite them? And you're like, no, cause I sent an email out saying we're having PT on Tuesday or whatever, whatever it was. Right. And they didn't show up. I figured they're probably busy like everybody else right now. It's like, you know, and then you get yelled at like, well, you didn't go shake their hand and stare them in the soul and tell them that they, you want more than anything in the world for them to be there and do pushups with you. And you're like, I don't, I don't want that. I don't want to be there doing pushups, right? Like, this is the dumbest thing ever. Like, I don't want to do this. We haven't done this the previous nine months out of the year. So why do I want to do it now? Like, this is crazy, but it's funny that and the 
you know, requesting to enter the, the chiefs, the hallowed halls of the chiefs mess, you I'm know, be completely honest. I did a really awful job of memorizing the things and I memorized, I memorized almost none of the things because we, we prioritize like but that was not that top I've talked priority. to is always like, this is the thing that I didn't do at all. For me, it was like memorizing the things for my sponsor. It was getting charges. He was like, I didn't care about charges. Mm-hmm. I got like six. So like every, and <laughs> everybody I talked to is like a different thing that they're just like, I didn't care about this. Like the one, uh, to go back to the whole thing of like, what are the two things that you keep with you forever after season is the, the vessel and the charge book. There was somebody that I talked to that was like, uh, or no, it's, I think it's somebody that we, we just know of that was like, uh, oh, I also have my PQS because I, because I, because I got zero signatures on them. I kept it forever to just to demonstrate like the importance of it, which not to sour the waters of anybody who hasn't gone through season yet. When you get your PQS, like maybe your mess is going to care more than ours did. But you know, like that, that was just a thing that we, I thought was funny was he was like, yeah, so that's a my funny PQS because like, I didn't do it at all. The PQS isn't universal. Some places don't do it at all. Uh, my season, we, mine went through a shredder at some point and it was on a table in a bag of shred and some mass chief I didn't know from the area was screaming at me on final night about I'm the worst human being in the world because I blow off my qualls and what are you going to do with your junior guys, blow through, whatever, right? that whole tirade. And he ended up flipping the table and then just shred went everywhere. Oh, yeah. It was a cool sight, but, and I literally kind of chuckled at it. Sounds awesome. And then I got screamed at for laughing at it and whatever. It was just the most perfect table flip. He flipped it and it went all the way around and landed back on the feet, like three feet in front of him. It was right. so, it was awesome. But anyways. It was like a strong guy. And it, <laughs> yeah, I mean, it was like a card table, but like a little mm. fold out one. But either way, it was, it was awesome to see, but it was like, in my head, I was like, man, I'm glad I didn't spend so much time on that. But I will say that the times that I did go get charges from people or when I did do that, right, I took that as a forced function, right? Because the first time you go get a charge, right, we tell you, here's some ridiculous paragraph you got to memorize to go get a charge from somebody or they're going to tell you the worst, you're the worst person in the world and send you away and whatever, right? That's kind of how it's presented to you, right? You memorize the, the mystical paragraph and you're the most honorable, whatever, and then you say the magic words and then they will write in your most holy tome or whatever the words are. And nobody, I've never, and I don't think, I don't, maybe I'm sure there's somebody in the Navy, but like generally speaking, nobody's ever going to be like, well, I, I said the words wrong and they sent me away and I never came back. Right. Like that's not the point of any of that. And I feel like that's pretty universal. Nobody's going to get that. You might get a hard time. Like you don't know the words. You didn't memorize the magic request sentence. Like that's, that's ridiculous. Right. But it did happen to us. And it, what sucks is that, you know, you, you enter the chief's quarters of a chief that you don't support, you don't like that you don't think is a good chief. And then they've, they've on you for like, not, you know, giving you the verbatim answer to, you know, what time is it? And it's like, oh, you're going to have to come back later and, you know, uh, give me your look up because you didn't, you know, fulfill my question. The only place that I encountered that I never went back. I never went back there, dude. I was like, okay, I'm not going back there again. And then the other select that worked because in that office. No, nobody else gave a shit about it. The, other, like, okay, well, I'm not the other select that worked in the office, like pulled us aside and were like, hey man, like, you know, next time you come in here, like you're going to have to know the questions. They're the answers the to those questions. next time I come back in here is going to be never because no other office cared. And But at the same time, I feel like that maybe that's like a theme for this season is like, 
we honed in on what things that the majority of our mess cared about. And those are the things that we got good at. And because it was either get good at it or get dunked on. And those very isolated things like, Hey, yeah, my orders uh, said that I had to memorize these things and whatever. And of all the offices I went into for all six weeks of season, there was one office that I went into and just really took a hot dump on me for not knowing the way you ask for things. And I was like, I'm not going to go back here again. I'll find somebody else I'll to call. go back there for so there's, Or I'll call, <laughs> call them. No, but there's <laughs> like, phone number. so I'm not saying that I support that mindset at all. However, you could also drag that out into like, when you go relieve as chief of the watch on the boat, right? You go up there and you have to memorize some stupid thing of like, what are the levels of the tank? What are we going to be doing? Whatever you, you remember, you learn all this stuff. You get the turnover from the guy and you're like, okay, cool. I could sit in the seat right now and I feel comfortable. But then you turn around to the officer of the deck, and you're like, officer of the deck, request permission to relieve the chief of the watch. The, the forward tanks are this, and this is what our balance is, and this is what our trim is. And you say, like, this whole nonsense, we're steering course 250, and we're doing four knots. And he's like, yeah, I know that, because I told everybody to do that, and it's written on every status board, and I can see the same gauges as you, right? But you have to say all the same stupid nonsense to go do this magical thing of relieving the watch that we all know. We're all on the same page. He's only 10 feet behind you and he watched you turn over with the guy. He knows that you know what you're doing. And so there is like that dumb argument of like, this is stupid. Why do I have to say all this stuff to go get this charge? But also you could also, I'm just playing devil's advocate. You could argue that there is some real life tie into that. There's also a call card for every, the watch. Everything that we chose. Call card for chief. Everything. Well, every, oh, I did one of those. I didn't right, do the other. For our mess, everything that we chose not to do or didn't get done well enough, I can easily understand why that's a thing. Same thing. The PQS, the point that you made about what you're going to do when your sailor doesn't do their PQS or, you know, the memorizing the thing about how you're going to relieve the watch. If you don't know the thing that you're supposed to say to relieve the watch, like I get, I get all those things. We get all those things, but it was like, Hey, we've got these 30 things to do. And this is the thing that I'm not going to do. But that, and just for our season, those are like, that's the thing that for me, that's what I chose not to do. And, I'm not saying um, you're wrong with any of that. I just mean path like, of least resistance was like kind of the thing. It was like, it was, the, that was the path of least resistance. There's only one office that really is going to dunk on me for not doing this thing. So I'm just going to avoid that office. Do I memorize this thing for one out of the 30 offices that I have to go into? Or am I just going to pick up the phone and call them? Because I have one, I have to leave my building and go to their building to go to their office. And how often do I have to go there? Well, once in six weeks I had to go there. So, um, so that was the path of least resistance for me. And it's probably your mileage will vary, whatever. So like that. And that was the thing that I chose. Like, okay, that there's only one, what, who, how many people expect me to do this thing? Okay. Well then I'm going to put this in the back burner a little bit. Yeah. No, and I, and I totally get that. Me and one of the other radio men, we took that as whether or not it was supposed to be, we took that as like, that's where we're going to have our fun. So at the end of the whole thing, right. Of like the, the whole paragraph and I, absolutely don't have it memorized of what you're supposed to say to get a charge. And at the end, ours in parentheses said bow slightly, right? Like you read the whole thing and it said bow slightly. Ever so slightly. Right. In parentheses. Right. And so when we read our whole thing to this guy, everybody cut us off immediately. He's like, you don't have to say this. The first handful of times we were like, Oh, okay, cool. We just won't say this thing and we'll get our charge. And after a while we went to somebody and we're like, Hey man, you told us to memorize this and we spent some absurd amount of time memorizing this instead of sleeping, you're going to hear it. And like, we started saying, he's like, no, 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 no. We're like, no, man, you're going to listen to this paragraph 
because I memorized it for some stupid reason because you told me to. You're dealing with this now. And we read the whole thing, but we laughed about it because as we read it and then at the end, instead of bowing slightly as implied by it being in parentheses, we said the words bow slightly. <laughs> we did it. And like, he just laughed. And he's like, you guys are idiots. You're not supposed to say that. And we're like, well, you put it in the paragraph. And he's like, you don't need to say any of it. Just come to me for a charge. And it's like, no, I get it. But like, that was our way of having fun with those things. Right. Like we had to make, you guys didn't have to do a, um, a, like a pennant for just because of the way that our season works, it's all so intermingled. Right. But for us, um, every command had its own little pennant for PT for, for whatever. Right. And so we got told, Hey, you guys got to make a pennant for this thing. And we said, okay. And so the first thing I did, I learned, it was a couple of weeks in. So I learned like, Hey, I need to learn or like uh, maybe week two, but I need to learn how to make a pennant. What are the rules on a pennant? All this other jazz. Right. So we learned how to make a flag. Exactly. We found the instructions of like how to make a flag with the swallowtail, the dimensions in, we measured it all out. It's got to be blue with a white field and the, white diamond and then this and this is the size of the lettering and this is how you space it all out we went way over the top and made it to the t of like what the academy would have for their flag so that was your egg division kind of but then we did all that and then we showed up to the first function with the base area when we got back in port and we had our flag and when we displayed our flag we were like dude we're so stoked about this I sacrificed literally my own pillowcase because it was the only blue fabric we could find, right? I cut up an extra sheet that I found to use for the white. We sewed it all by hand because we didn't have a sewing machine. We did all this crazy nonsense to, to make everything to the T of what the, insp- the uh, instruction said. And everybody was like, I mean, I guess it's a flag, like kind of boring. And we're like, what do you mean it's boring? It's exactly what it says. You know, we were like so offended, but we spent so much time like laughing about this nonsense as we were making it. And we showed up to the first base event, right? And they've got like tassels and streamers and glitter and all this crazy nonsense and made the most absurd flags. And we're standing there with ours. It's like to the T, which, you know, Navy regulation is pretty boring. And we're standing there with ours and somebody walked by and he's like, is that your guys' flag? And we're like, yeah. And they were like, Okay. And then just walked off and we're like, no, man, do you have any idea how much time I spent on this to make it to the T? Like those guys, they got weird leather tassels. That's not by the book. That can't be real. And so we just kept going with that. But like those moments that we had while we were making those things or doing those things was a big win for us. Again, because we just weren't getting yelled at. But um, yeah, I don't know. It's, it's hard when you get... <sighs> The advantage of a 15 person mess, if you were underway doing that, is that you're probably going to get a more consistent message with 400 people. You're going to get crazy different advice from every different person, especially when you have surface sailors with and they don't understand the um, submariners mindset because our brains are just on a, you know, total different wavelength than a, like a surface. Yeah. And then, so for example, we have, you know, I'm sure, you know, we have a surface guy going that went through season with us, um, where we work and it was just, yeah. Yep. And he just, you know, they just don't understand the way we think. And it caused a lot of friction going through season because of, you know, the surface mentality versus the like subsurface mentality. So, 
Um, we learned to get over that, but it's still, it was a huge like learning curve. But it's the same idea of, again, you know, extrapolate that out to any base, any area that you go to, you're going to have mixed communities, whether it's surface and air or surface and sub or all three or thrown CB for the most part, I think special warfare Ron Connecticut's one of those places where I would expect it to be extremely limited for the most part. You still have a decent amount of surface people around though. Um, but yeah, that's probably one of the, you know, random few exceptions where it's going to be pretty one sided, yep. but the saying that as a blanket statement then discounts all of the surface sailors that are there who do have good surface experience or, you know, was it three years ago? The people that ran it was an MA and a CB and they neither of them have anything to do with sub fleet and they ran the season for the area. And imagine how, you know, getting on the, the whole lesson of being on the same page. Like imagine how that is when you have two people very outside the community trying to tell a community that's very segregated as most submarine communities are like, Hey, this is how it should be done. And we're all like, uh, I don't know about that. I think, I think that's why heritage week was so fun. The constitution, because literally all walks of life, all commands from all over literally the world um, were there. And it just, it made it more interesting because, you know, um, commands weren't going to send, you know, chief selects they sent the like you know the best of the best the people that deserve to go so you have just a bunch of hot sailors from all over all different rates and I'm then it's just very it's a- proud of the fact that we tried to start the submarine song when we were uh toasting the <laughs> services and um i had a there was a senior mentor there was a uh, a shipmate of mine from another submarine that was uh he he told me afterwards. So there was a dude sitting next to me that was on my, on my, on my, uh, my gun team. And as we were going through toasting the services, I remembered hearing about the sub, like started trying to start the submarine song. And I looked at, I looked next to me and I was like, Hey man, we're going to start the submarine song. And he goes, all right, how do you want to do it? And I said, they're going to say to the submarine community and everybody's going to say to the submarine community. And then we're going to say submarines once. And so we did that and we just absolutely completely screamed it. And, uh, nobody answered, which was sad. Cause there was like eight sub dudes there. Right. Um, because everybody's eyes lit up. Yeah. So we were then, scared. So then afterwards, <laughs> yeah. afterwards, my buddy who was a mentor there came up to me and was like, was that you that started the submarine song? And I said, yes, it was absolutely us. And he goes, dude, the bull nuke looked over like he was about to have an aneurysm. <laughs> and, uh, and then like afterwards when we, we went outside to before the mentorship time started, whatever, and like four or five of the other sub dudes were like, was that y'all? We were thinking so hard about saying submarines twice. So we didn't know at what point we were going to get told to shut up or like they were just going to turn into turmoil. Um, one thing that I want to ask your opinion about is um, the perception that I got. One of the things that I got out of the season that seems like, and this is partly based on my experience with just watching the chief's mess as a first class or as a second class or whatever, and then going through the season. And this may just be by perception because I was tuned in more to the chief's mess because I was going through season, but it seems to me like, uh, looking back that during the chief season, the mess is more, they're operating more at the, like the ideal of what the mess is supposed to be in terms of there's a lot of different things as far as like how we, you know, how we, how we snatch up the weak people and, and like, and support them. And, um, you know, like 
to what extent we answer the call when called and all those different things. It seems like that during the season, we're doing a lot more just from what I, it looked like to me than, than normal. Like, and, and I'm not saying that that's necessarily a bad thing. I think that in the way of like the fact that the season is six weeks out of every year, maybe it just helps realign everybody to what the ideal is. But that was the impression that I got was that I saw a different chief's mess than what I remember seeing. And again, I'm tempering that with the fact that this is the first time I've been a chief or gone through season or whatever, but that's the impression that I got was that things were definitely more, um, the way that the intention is that we, that the chief's mess is supposed to run during the season. Everybody was super motivated. Everybody had these really great lofty things to say about, you know, how we handle things in the chief's mess and how we treat each other, et cetera. And that doesn't maybe necessarily we, jive with historical data of what you've seen. Kind of like ordering parts right up yeah. against the end of the fiscal year. You know, like all of a sudden the fiscal year hits and it's like free for all. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Hey, order whatever you want. We can have everything, you know. Um, That's, I, I know I kind of talked to you about that before too, but I think that the season is definitely dual function and it's getting everybody ready to step into that role or trying to get everybody as ready as possible um, with time and resources allotted. But I think part of the reason that we want such mass participation at those things, part of it has to do with uh, we just want to show that we are all invested because whether or not you show up or not, there I guarantee there's people that couldn't be at many of the things that are invested and do care but they just couldn't be there for one reason or another. Right. And there's a million different reasons, but um, we push that because the easiest way to show that you care is to physically be there. Right. When it's miserable, it's cold, it's wet, it's whatever. It's six in the morning. Nobody wants to be standing out on a cold field. at six in the morning in the dark doing push-ups that nobody cares about. Shout out to Mike. Who's retired. Who's there. Every damn morning. He's such a champion. Yeah, he he motivated. He's such a champion. But when you when you see that though, there's like some sort of visual representation, right? Of like, you know, like from the office when he says, like, I care this much. I care four hundred dollars worth, right? Like (laughs) that's but that's that's like a thing, right? Like if you're you see that person there every time, you're like, Man, this guy really cares about this. You know, it's like it's PT and I don't even care about this. This is miserable. Like I enjoy working out, but this isn't it or how or why, but I'm here cause I have to be, but there's at least some sort of, you know, uh, you're in the collective suck together. So when you're there and you're, it's like, Oh my God, I have training at 1600. Why am I here? This is so mis- I just want to go to the rack. Like nobody, like, yeah, no, nobody wants to be there. We all want to go do something else, but, or we have something else we have to do whether or not we want to. But there is some sort of visual representation of like, I care this much. We are all here doing these things, right? And so there is that aspect of having everybody there. There is another aspect that I think, at least, of a reminder of it's like a, an annual reset of this is what we're supposed to be doing here. Like, I, I get it, you know, mid June, I'm sure not everybody's like, I care about the chief's creed and this is why I do what I like. Well, it's training, no, but, training your relief. Well, no, but I mean like 
when you get to like late in the season, like, okay, sure. The quotas are out. We know who made board. There's a little bit of hype initially of like, okay, all these people made board. We got to plan all these things and blah, blah, blah. Who's realistically do we think is going to make it? Who's not? You go through the, the redistribution letter and where does everybody planning on going? And you go through all that and then you're just kind of waiting. You're not going to get like your prime chief motivation input at that point in the year, the calendar year, whenever that is, right? You're going to get a bunch of people that are like, I'm just dragging, waiting until something else comes along, right? Which is why we constantly say like, hey, you motivate us. We need you to do all these things to motivate us because like we don't want to be there either. So if you can give the hype back, right? Then we're like, oh yeah, this is why we do this. This is why we do this job. This is why we put up with all this nonsense. Um, it's like I had a CO that told the chief's mess at his turnover all hands call was basically for anything and everything. He said, call a khaki belt chief or officer. And his, his response was we get paid to be inconvenienced. Like there's a reason that we're in charge. We get paid to be inconvenienced. Call us for this stuff, right? There's a reason we make more. It's not because we do more. It's because we get paid to be inconvenienced for that stuff. And, and I kind of buy into that, even though he got fired, but, uh, I, <laughs> he got fired for a lot of other, he said a lot of other crazy things that were not okay to say, but, um, he, I agree with that mindset though. Like, I don't think that I work as hard as half of the first and second classes that I work around. They do a lot of the things because we ask them to, but I feel like if they needed something or if they were, if I was in a position to where I would be remotely expected to give back, like the least I can do is show up to those things. Right. And then when you show up to those things and you have that loud mouth somewhere in the mess, it's going to be like, well, you guys are all going to be chiefs and you need to care about these things. Right. Like some of that is talking to ourselves, not just to you. Right. Cause it's like, cool. You made it here. Thanks for showing up and standing around with your hands in your pockets. But also, how much of an idiot do you feel like right now when I'm telling them that they need to care about these things and put in all this effort and you're standing around picking your butt? Like, get out there and do these same things. You know, like this is your job also. This is already your job. We're trying to get them ready for this job, but this is all this is, has been your job. So why can't you do those things? And so there's some part of like a realignment every year of like, oh, right. This is what I'm supposed to be doing. This Refre- refresher training. Work. Yeah. And it, 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 you know, I'm sure there's some valid argument that it should be more often mm-hmm. or in a different sense. I'm not saying it should be multiple seasons, but like there should be more of that. Right. Which kind of falls into what he was saying with, Hey, there should be an IG that explains all these things. Hey, during the season or whatever. Right. But, but big picture, it falls back to once you make chief outside of going to like the SEA or every season that you stay involved with, there is no other, or like mm-hmm. Cobb CMC school, if you go that route, but there's no other. The season lets you get like that. Yeah. There's no do. training for any of that. So you kind of have to keep pounding into people like, Hey man, I know your guys' life sucks because we've all been doing this. I know that you're dealing with all these wild scenarios every day. I know that you're getting phone calls at 10 o'clock at night because Somebody got a DUI and ran two cars off the road. I know you're getting all these, these things, right? When you deal with that 11 months out of the year, 10 months out of the year, eventually you're like, I'm just fried. I'm just done with this. This is not fun. And so the season, you kind of have to have that, like, 
we want those people to show up because you get that. It's not directed at those people, say at the back of the room, but it doubles as something towards them of like, Hey, this is what you guys should be caring about. And you're like, Oh, right. We are supposed to care about that stuff. And even if you fake it for those six weeks, there's some sort of mental reminder like, Oh yeah, this is why we do this. This is why I love this job. Or this is why we put up with the suck or this is why insert reason here, right? Like this is why we do what we do. And it's not because I make 200 bucks a month more or whatever nonsense it is, right? Like, it's not because I get to wear cool tan pants that match my shirt. Like there's something else to it. And you kind of have to remind everybody of that every year. I would argue you probably need to remind people more often than that, but I don't know how you would do that realistically, but that's the easy built-in mechanism. If we all show up to those things, a it's to support the people going through the season and show that we care in a very basic visual representation of we care because we're here, but it also serves as a reminder to ourselves of like, all right, this is what I'm supposed to do. And there's some things like, especially when you change areas that you go through the season with, like, sure. You heard, you know, my DMC saying all the magic things every year or at every event that he was at, he would speak up at some point. And I'm not saying that he was wrong, but you heard his, his opinion. But then if you go somewhere else, you're going to hear somebody else, some other loudmouth in the room is going to say something or multiple loudmouths or whatever. You're going to be like, oh, okay, that sounds similar or contradictory or whatever. And it just kind of widens your aperture of this is what I know now. This is what I don't. This is this makes sense. Or this is what I didn't get out of it last year that I did get out of it this year, which is why we want everybody to show up to everything so many times, because you're going to gain something every year, whether it's your first year on the other side or like your 10th year you're hopefully should gain something from somebody and that's that's a big piece of it that is hard to explain that like we're all kind of learning together every year with those things one thing i'm excited to get like uh from the other side is so I, like i know what i got out of the season i'm ex- like um i'm eager to see from this side the things that go into the season um and, uh, I, I don't know. I just feel like that would be really rewarding, um, this next time up to see like what things get put into, to that. And, um, like one of the reasons I, I brought this up at acceptance, like I didn't put a lock on my box, my vessel. So, um, I put a latch on my vessel and, um, one of the things that I struggled with up until the point where I got selected and had to go through the season and see all the things and hear all the things and experience it is I didn't have a lot of buy-in going in. I didn't have a lot of exposure to what we're talking about that happens during the season of like, we're very aligned with the ideals, like mission, vision, guiding principles and what the mess is about and what the purpose and, and why, like, like why it's different, why it's different on this side and on the other side. And, um, if I had had more exposure to, to that, I feel like that I would have had a lot more buy-in. And so I don't feel like that if there's somebody that has that same perspective as I did before the season, um, is working for me that they should not be able to just open my vessel and look at my charge book and see what it's about. Because I like the charge book is one of the things where 
not just the book and the words that are written in it, like the ink or whatever. A lot of it was the conversations and the fact that the people that wrote in my book, like they were people that I, and we had, I had the good fortune of, you know, I wasn't underway and I had the opportunity to get charges from the people that I've wanted charges from. And we didn't really touch on that a lot because you brought up the point of, well, you know, you know, there's people that I may not want to charge from that do have things to offer. That being said, I didn't treat my charge book like that. Um, you know, I, I had the ability to seek out charges specifically from the people that I wanted. And there's still people that I don't have charges from that are, uh, that I want charges from that I haven't gotten to yet. Um, you know, we only had six weeks and there was a lot of other stuff going on, but, um, if I had had an exposure to what I was going to get specifically out of the charge book, um, I feel like that going into it, I would have wanted even before, like, you know, I put letters in and, you know, letters to the board and I did all the things that I was supposed to do until I got selected. But I, the buy-in like just wasn't there. And it's because I didn't, I didn't have it. Like I had no clue what that, the season level ideal of what the chief's mess is. And if I had had that, I feel like that I would have wanted a lot more, whether that be because, you know, I'm not going to say that because it, you know, because the chief's messes that I worked under were weak. I don't think that's really the case. I just think that I didn't have, uh, I didn't have enough exposure. Just misunderstood. To I just feel like I didn't know what I was going to get out of it. Well, that's the, that's the hard part, right? Is like, you know, I think that's kind of the million dollar question with this is how do you, how do you explain to everybody what they should get out of the season or what they will or what that whole process is without them doing it? Right. Like, how do you prepare them for all that mentally to be like, yeah, that's what I want. I want this weird, you know, unlicensed psychologist to just wreck my brain for a month and a half. And then I come out on the other side and like somehow for the most part, it seems to work out. But like, I, none of us are like trained in any of that. You know, like that doesn't happen. It, I mean, it happens, but it's not, there's no professional that says like, Hey man, here's how you fix this or here. It's just all based on experience. But like, how do you explain to somebody like, no, you know what you need? You need to go stand around a fire with, you know, 40 people. that are just going to tell you that you're the worst human being or that they're going to wreck you or that whatever. And then at the end of it, somehow you're going to be happy about this. And I'd be like, you're insane, dude. I'm going to go back on watch. <laughs> like, I don't want to do any of that. There was a part of this season that was, um, one of the mm -hmm. bigger parts was in the completion of the charge book was sitting down with people that I had respected really heavily for a super long time and having the opportunity to hear them say, um, to give me their observations of what I was like as, you know, a third class and a second class and a first class and to see me put on and get selected for chief. And that was something that I, you know, maybe I just wouldn't have, have had the opportunity to do until I got selected for chief, but it was, I don't think validating is the right word because that, that wasn't what I was trying to get out of it. It was just the feedback, the level of care and attention and, um, interest that I got from those individuals that I had, I didn't all, I didn't all of a sudden respect them and want their feedback just because I got selected for chief. I had wanted it for a long time. It's just that I had not, I had not really had the opportunity to get it. There's no mechanism to, to devote that time for those things. As a first class, uh, any of those guys could have given me that same feedback and it probably would have given me a lot of fire, 
you know, to, 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 to seek that, to, to want it more, but just the way that the season is designed that, you know, maybe that's the first time that we really lay out a point in your career where you're supposed to get that. That's the part that really was kind of hard. It was a hard pill to swallow because I was like, man, I've been waiting for this for a long time. Like this, this is something that I needed. I needed this years ago. I needed this when I was a first class and I was like dying and drowning and struggling, you know, and this is, this could have like totally motivated me, but at the same time, like there's a part of me that understands that like maybe that wasn't the time for me to get it, but there's, that's still kind of part of the reason why, like I didn't lock my vessel because I hope that somebody will be like, what's in here and they'll open it and they'll see what's in there and go like, damn, I want this. You know, I don't know that. I don't know of anybody, even the lock, like I have a lock on mine. Uh, I think because I was supposed to or told to or whatever, right? Like everybody else. And we, we were too. But, but I have the key is tied to the handle. Um, and that's twofold. A, I'm probably just going to lose a tiny key and then I have to cut the lock off. And so, like, just practical purposes, I realized I'm going to move because it's the Navy and I don't want to lose the key. So I tied it to the vessel. And that's how it's been since I put the lock on it because I knew I would lose it at some point. But, no, I know what you're saying. Cause like I had, there were definitely times like as a second where you're like, you know, I'm pretty much, you know, I'm the BAMF on the boat and I'm the, the best radio man in the Navy and I know everything about everything. And then you have like some chief, right? And then you don't think about the fact like, oh, this dude's been in like three times longer than me. He's probably also was the BAMF at some point. And is he in BAMF? Yeah. Like badass. Mother- yeah. Oh. So like you look around and you're just like, I have that mindset, but then you realize like, okay, this is actually probably a pretty common mindset for most people to be at, at that point in their career. They're yeah, like at at what point am I ready for that feedback? Is it right? Is but it I never would have thought to go talk to those chiefs that I knew that I, that I respected the same sense to be like, Hey man, you know, give it to me raw. What do I need? Because if they told me I'd have been like, this guy's an idiot or this guy's an asshole, or I, whatever the case was at the time. I wouldn't have been receptive to it at the same point. I've been like, all right, man, I'm still going to one AP. I'm out. Like, I think in my I'm case, going back on watch. I think in my case, it probably would have been the same thing. Like at, at what point, and this is another thing, like with the season, you know, like it, the individualization part of it, like at what point would I have been receptive to that feedback is probably another valid point of that conversation. Like it's when, when I was, and I need to be, I truly do still think that like the end of like the, 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 the E five at the end of their first sea tour is like the most effect, like the, the most effective body on a submarine, any submarine ever. I probably wouldn't anybody, nobody could have like the things that I got out of season. If somebody had given me that feedback when I was at that level, I wouldn't have heard anything they said. So like at, at what point would I have been open to that feedback? Um, I think it's when you have to be, when you're standing there and you're the way it's portrayed, whether it's real or not, you could argue about all those things and it doesn't really matter. But the point is to you, it's real, which makes it real is you're standing there and you're like, you need that feedback or you need that. Not necessarily then you're getting that feedback, but that's when you have to accept that feedback and you have to internalize and you have to be like, Oh, I get this now. Like I have to move past this hurdle to get to the next step or I'm still just going to be that band second class, regardless of what's on my collar. You have to be, you have to just take it good, bad, or otherwise. And then you're like, okay, cool. I get this. And, and you all hug it out type deal and you move on. But like, until you're at that point where you're like, oh, I have to take this midterm counseling or I am stuck, you know, that's more or less what it is. It's like an intense midterm, but like, 
until you're in that position where it's a go, no go, like do not collect $200, do not pass go. And you're standing there like, Oh, all right, cool. I'm not getting out of this. I can't just tell chief that he's an idiot and go back to the, you know, I can't just go get ice cream and finish (laughs) my movie and go to the rack. Like I have to take this right now and I need to not just listen to him, but like you need to, kind of internalize that and once you get to that point it's different and that's the the hard part is that falls back into people need to believe these things like you could tell somebody all you want that like you know like there's tons and tons and tons of first class in the navy that are going to retire as a first class that are awesome people that are awesome at their job awesome leaders awesome whatever they're missing something somewhere in their record or whatever the case is right that they don't ever get selected Um, and that's not necessarily a discount on them or their devotion or their whatever, right? It's, it shouldn't be a discount to them, but if you were to tell them the same thing in that same position at their midterm, they're going to be like, yeah, okay. Like, dude, I've been in 19 years as a first class. I'm not making it. I don't care what you say. I'm going to keep doing what I got to do. And I retire in like a year, but there's a different somehow, whether it's made up or not, like mentally you fall into this position where you know you have people like he was at six years when he made chief like imagine trying to have that like maturity growth mentally at six years Uh, you were seven seven and a half yeah but like that's a big mental leap to have for some people when you compare it to somebody else who's been in for 18 and they make it right it's not discounting one or the other i just mean like that Ideally, you want everybody to have that growth because it helps them individually. But if they're not in that ready to receive mindset, then it's not going to do any good. And it's just going to, I think it's just going to hurt them more than it's going to help. You can tell them however you want, right? But like, that's the constant joke that I have with another guy who retired is that all you do is just tell every sailor below you that they're the most amazing thing in the world until they make chief. Like you shelter them from everything. You tell them they're amazing and they just keep doing all this great work and then whatever. Right. And I get that there's a million perspectives on that. So it depends on the person, blah, blah, blah. But in general, I think that the Navy does that with people. We, at least in my experience, we tell people like, yo, you're amazing. You push all the right buttons and spin the right knobs in the best way. You turn wrenches better than anybody else. You get every flight underway. You do all these things, right? And they're like, for sure, I'm pretty much amazing. You know, the Navy <laughs> would fall apart if it was not for me. And that, and that's what happens, right? And you do that and you build up that confidence and their abilities. And then they get to the chief season. And then that's and this for the a but. lot of people. That's the first this time where you're like, oh, actually, we told you all that stuff. But, but we're all full. There's always a but. Yeah. So when you were, when you were talking about feedback, were you talking about your weaknesses? Yeah. That- like I, like... And now that we were talking about it, I'm kind of realizing like there's a part of it that's um, so like uh, there was definitely a part of me. I feel like as a like as a first class, the first uh, like especially as a in the first like, I don't know, maybe like one or two years as a first class that I really could have used that insight into like, like, what what do I want out of the next level? Like, what am I going to get? Why do I want it? Why do I care that I feel like that a lot of people are missing and still as a leader, like a super huge division. And I feel like that there's a lot of people that just don't get that part that I didn't get until I got into the season. That being said, um, there's, there's a, there's a, a like an aspect to the season where, 
the, I ha I, I'm in a position where I have to receive that feedback and I have to take it on board because otherwise I'm not going to make it through season. Right. And that's one of the good things about season is like some of the harder feedbacks that I received, the, the, like some of the, 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 even the people that I respected had some things to say about me to my face that were hard to hear. And the reason why I feel like I got more out of it during the season and looking back, there was some of that feedback that I got before I was ever selected for chief anyway, but it was easier to write off because I wasn't in a position where like, okay, I'm either going to accept this and take it on board and understand that it's like, it's real. It's not bullshit. Nobody's fucking around with me. Like it's real. And I'm going to either make peace with it and communicate that in some way, whether that's during the season or at acceptance or whatever, or I'm not going to make it through. So the season definitely was a catalyst for confronting some of that, some of that, uh, constructive criticism, harsh feedback, tough love, whatever. Yeah. Real or perceived you had to, and I had to deal with had it. to, or I was not going to get accepted. And that was made very clear at acceptance too. And that's where it really, like for me, it was like six weeks of learning some stuff, hearing some stuff, taking it on board to what extent I, I was really like embracing it. I don't know, but I was hearing it. And then at acceptance was the, the, like, especially getting turned away. That first round of acceptance was the point where I was like, I'm either going to fucking I'm either going to, I'm, this is either going to hit me or it's not, I'm either going to communicate this matters to me and that I'm hearing what they're saying or I'm not. And that was the first time that I was ever in that position where it was like, Hey man, like you have to have to communicate that you're hearing what they're saying. And I had a lot of this stuff, not all of it, but a lot of it was stuff that I had heard before, but the season was the first time that I ever was like, I'm either going to hear it. I'm either going to hear it and let them know that I'm hearing it or I'm not. And I was never in that position before. So there's, there's a part of it that's like unique to season that I, I'm, I may not have gotten without being selected. So I'll, I'll temper my previous statement with that, that like there was, I needed the season to be able to really like digest and communicate that I understood what that was, where that was coming from and say like, yeah, that's real. Shit. Like, like the, the feedback that I'm getting is real and I get it. And here's what I'm going to do to get better. See, I take that as a win though, is that that means that the, the individualized or the targeted growth that we push. I take that as a win that that was effective. I take it as a win that we got through to somebody, right? There's definitely some, there's people every year that are just going to get through because they've been a ghost. They're just a name on a list the entire season. And they get to the end and you're like, Oh, I forgot you were here. Uh, okay. Who is uh, that guy? Yeah. And like, and that's going to happen everywhere you go, but um, to some extent, again, depending on the size of the mess and blah, blah, blah. But like, it's not meant to be as a discount to those people, but, um, it's, you still want those people to get as much as they can out of it. And you can still kind of push and prod, but you're kind of ad living at that point, right? Based off what they're saying in the moment. And you don't have as much invested because you don't have as much history knowledge about the person they didn't stand out as much during the season for you to gain much to kind of dig on but um it's still just as important for every one of them to get that that moment right that because whether or not we feel like it right like it's kind of unfair for me to be like man this dude is just a nobody who like sure hey welcome come stand over here right like that's that's super disappointing. That is not, that is the most anticlimactic end to your season. And I wouldn't want that if I was on the site, even if I was that guy, I'd be like, dude, I don't, I don't know who half of you are either, but like, 
you really don't care about me at all to like learn anything or put any effort into this. You're just going to like stand, tell me cool. Welcome. Like I'd feel a little bummed about that. And you can literally never get that back. Right. So you want that moment, I think as close to that moment as you can get for every single person, which is super hard to do when you have a huge group. But, um, I think getting whether or not it's at that moment or it's throughout the season, you want them to have that, um, that growth, that ability, right. But, or that self-realization that whatever you want them to learn that those lessons, um, the the last real question that I had though is what from your side what was just like a maybe not individual event or anything but like what just seemed like a complete waste of your time that like out of those right because everybody I, I granted I haven't been a chief for thirty five years or anything but people are always like oh you know this is gonna be gone in like five years no we're gonna get rid of the chief season it's a total waste right and it's just gonna be we're gonna do the acceptance piece one night and it's gonna be and we're not going to do anything leading up. And like people say that it doesn't happen ever. I, I'm on the other side where I don't think it will ever happen. I think it's constantly going to change. It's going to morph. It is what it is. But do I expect full six weeks of like, you know, five to midnight of just cranking away at a million things? Like, I don't think that that's necessarily going to happen, but there are definitely things that I feel like could be either removed completely or tweaked. But if you start getting to removed completely, right, you can just shorten the season. So like if we were to play devil's advocate and say the season's going to be a week long, what do you think was worthwhile or what do you think would cut out? Or do you think the full six was worthwhile? And you think that, you know, minus yes, every event could be tweaked a little bit and done differently. But like, do you think that the full six was worthwhile? Do you think it should be longer, less? Like what? I think the six was a good, like, it's a good medium. I, like it wasn't too long. It wasn't too short. And looking back now, it, it flew by. Um, I honestly hope was hoping you were going to ask what was the most fun part. Um, no, I assume that was Heritage Week. Well, yeah, <laughs> but like not everybody gets to go to Heritage Week. No, um, it was pretty awesome. And personally, I think I, for some reason, I well, I know why, but I really enjoyed the anchor auction. And like, you know, before, like before we went in there, everybody was like, you know, Super graded. It was 530 in the morning for some fucking reason. So if you could change that, yeah, that'd be great. But um, I think that everyone just trying to like come up with like what they were going to do with like 30 minutes notice was interesting and fun and exciting. And then like to find out like, you know, if you could hear everybody in the room, like cheering or like just losing their fucking minds because somebody ran in and, you know, ran out. So I think, I think that that was fun and I wish there was more of stuff like that. And I didn't, I feel like we didn't get that until, um, I think it was the fashion show. We didn't get that until the fashion show. And then after that, we didn't get that until like actual final night. Where you see like the, the personality side or the Yeah, like the, the, the coking and joking. Yeah, like yeah, the, yeah. yeah the, the, what I feel like is the like, you know, tradition, maybe not like old school um, chief season where you're like wearing just obnoxious, shit, like, you know, eating gross. But, um, yeah. you know, it's like a different type it's of camaraderie. Like, like a six week shell back yeah, ceremony. Yeah, yeah. yeah. As like an old school type person who is uh, like really attached to the way that getting your fish used to be, uh, 
And I say used to be as in like after the period where he kind of like reined in what was really malicious, but retained, but retained a lot of the stuff that was harsh, but effective. I wanted out of the season, the same way I approached getting my fish, the same way that I got to get my shell back and my blue nose and stuff. I wanted the season to be more like as true, as true, as true to, as, as true to the way that people that are still doing it, that feel like they got a lot of stuff out of season. Granted, a lot of the stories that I've heard and has some really great ones about like, okay, that doesn't sound useful at all. That sounds really just gross and malicious. Um, one thing that really is still important to me about those things like season shellback and getting your fish and whatever is that we stay true to tradition that we retain that tradition and that we maximize what things are effective and that we kind of uh, shy away from saying like, Oh, I don't think this is useful because culture tells me that it's not. So um, I actually kind of thought that the, the anchor auction, the, like I, the only purpose I could really see with the anchor, the anchor auction was that we generated some funds. Right. Because like, uh, and that's, like, that's tradition though, isn't it? I, and that's, that's been happening for at a the while. individual level. I didn't feel like I got anything out really out of the anchor auction. I was, I made some people laugh, uh, whatever my anchors generated some money. It was cool. But like, the as anchor far as getting auction my is also, back, it's intended for you to like network and meet people. So yeah, I was in and out. the fact that like I went in, I did my thing, I left and my anchors sold for however much money they were. And then the whole point of it after was like, figure out where your anchors are. But like, what's the incentive of me getting my anchors back? Like they're not the anchors I'm getting pinned with. They specifically said like, Hey, don't use the anchors you're getting pinned with. And then my sponsor was like, Hey, I didn't get my anchors back for like a year. And that, that kind of like, that kind of soured me. I was like, okay, well this doesn't really matter. That's a weird thing that you don't, um, that again is kind of a, uh, mess by mess or whatever with that scenario specifically. Right. Because the third time I went through for my acceptance piece, um, apparently I said all the right things and I basically was ready to fight everybody in the world standing around me. And I got dragged out and got told like, yo, like training timeout type deal. You need to GTFO. You are not standing here anymore. And I was like, all right. And then I was just super heated and like ready to fight everybody. And one of the guys was like, you're missing one of your anchors. And I was like, I addressed this while I was standing there. Like, I don't care about that. Right. Like, and I said all the diggity things of like, I don't care what's pinned on my collar. Right. That's not what it's about. And apparently it caused this huge issue because half the group was like, yo, he said all the right things. I agree with that. I'm in. And the other half was like, he's missing an anchor. It's in that dude's pocket. No, it's a hard no for me until he gets it back. And so like, it seemed dumb to me. Right. But like, for me, it was like, I, and I don't remember, maybe I should, but I don't remember if that's exactly what I got pinned with. Is that same set or not? Maybe it was, I do have a set that I care about, but that to me, it was like, no, you will get those anchors back or you will not get pinned was the way it was portrayed. Right. <clears throat> Up until the very end of my final night. And so I had that feeling, right? But like I told you, I had a dude, he was standing there, finished acceptance, and I had his anchor in my hand. And it was like almost disappointing of like, not why did I spend this money? Because I didn't care about the money side of it. It was more of like, hey, I got this guy's anchors because like I don't know much about him. I know surface level things. I know the bare minimum of what I need to know. 
but it's an interesting enough story that like, I want to talk to this guy some more. And I haven't talked to him since like outside of, you know, Hey, how's it going? Whatever. But, and it's not a fault. I, I understand the real world. I'm a super practical person, but I understand like, to me, that's what I get out of that anchor auction. Right. It's kind of like what she was saying of, you're going to go meet those people. Right. And like the asking the questions and you get one question per person or whatever, like, sure. It's ridiculous. And however you want to skin that cat doesn't really matter. The point is you're going to go talk to a million people. You're forcing people to network that point. Yeah. It's the same thing with a qual card. You're going to force people to go like, Hey, I need this checkout on world war two submarines. Do you, can you give me this checkout? And somebody's going to be like, for sure, man. But like the point is while you're standing there, you're also going to be like, Hey man, while we're standing, you're talking about something that I don't, ultimately care about can i get a charge from you right and then that it kind of forces that function um some people need that some people don't but uh that was kind of how i took it and how i've always seen it whether that's true or not it's always disappointing if somebody like if i know somebody really well like i'm absolutely not going to go spend money on their anchors like because i already know them that to me that defeats the purpose I don't need to do that. I'm going to go get somebody's anchors that I don't know or that I see is like, you know, I can help that person and I'm going to force them to come talk to me at some point when they find out that I have them and I'm going to force my way into giving them my piece of the pie, whether or not it's valid to them or not, at least in my opinion, it would be. And so those are the people that I want to talk to. Those are the people that I want to get their anchors from. I still think the, the anchor auction, I still, I, I think with the anchor auction was super fun. I'm, I'm not saying that I think yep. it wasn't fun. Um, if you, if you also think about it though, we can't get a little bit, we can't fundraise. So that's another part that's super worthwhile talking about. And I can't tell you how many times. And I, we've asked like, multiple times, like, Hey, can we fundraise? Or like maybe, maybe the, maybe, uh, the new Mick Pond's going to let us fundraise or mm-hmm. um, which like, it's hard to, it's, it's hard to look at fundraising as like, I, I've fundraised so much throughout my career for different organizations and entities, uh, FICPOA, whatever rec committee. And it's hard to see fundraising. At, what stops the chief selects from fundraising? Like I don't, it's hard to see it as like not a, now I get there's some things I've heard some stories about how we've fundraised during the season. <laughs> And it sounds, some of the stories that I've heard are like, okay, I can see how that's like not constructive. It's like, it's more uh, malicious than anything, but there's still constructive ways to fundraise. Um, Like it can still end up even being like a double-edged sword where it's like, hey, we're doing Comrail and we're fundraising. And that's super positive for everybody. Um, That being said, the only thing that I felt like that I still am scratching my head on during the season of all the things is uh, like, talk about it. Uh, during the final night, it was the seer station where we're like, you're like, okay, you're getting, uh, you're, you're, you've been held cat, like, uh, your submarine sank and you six or eight or however many are in your little team are the ones that have been captured. And now we are your captors and you sign this thing. And it means that we can ask you whatever we want. And now we're just torturing you until you give us what we want. And the, and like the whole thing, the whole time is you're getting beat physically. And it's like, they're asking you questions. What's your name? What do you do? What's your DOD ID? What's your birthday? What's his name? What does he do? Where does he work? And you're trying to figure out like, cause at the beginning, the first thing they say is like, okay, your job is to not give me any information. Right. That's exactly what they say. All right. 
your job is to give me nothing. And then they start asking you questions. And if you give them a little piece, they make it easier on you or they make it easier on your buddy or they give him water. They give you water. Now if this probably is just the way that we implemented it for this season specifically, but it was the only station on final night that I walked away from thinking, I don't know what the f- the point of that was. That being said, I made two really important connections during that station personally. And that had more to do with the individualization aspect because they were people who were expecting me and, um, gave me some of that stuff that I was saying that I needed really bad out of the season. That being said, that had nothing to do really with the station and the fact that that just happened to be where I interacted with them. So that station I thought was like, that was still a head scratcher. I I walked away and I was like, what were we supposed to do? What the was the point of that? So like the hard part with that is that a, you have the mandated legalities or what, whatever you want to call it. Right. Where like we, how, how else are we supposed to insert you guys have been kidnapped to try to get some piece of that training value, right? As submariners, we are super jaded to the idea of like, I'm not going to be a POW. I'm either going to do my job or I'm going to die. There's, what are the odds? What was the last submarine POW that we've had, right? Like, I'm not saying it hasn't happened, right? But it's been... It's probably North Korea. 80 years, you know? Like, it's not a common thing. It's been probably since World War II. Like, that's not a thing that we deal with, right? Same reason we don't deal with like, well, this time you had to go through like, uh, like when I was supposed to go IA out to Afghanistan and I went through combat lifesaver school and they're talking about like sucking chest wounds and you know, all this stuff. Like I, I, I don't deal with that. I don't know. That's, it's just not a thing that ever, you know, how to drive an MRAP, how to shoot a 50 cal. Those are things that we don't have. I don't have giant man carrying mine resistant tanks vehicles on a submarine. I don't shoot a 50 cal on a submarine. We don't have one. Like those are things that I just don't ever have to deal with. So you discount that those exist and that those scenarios are real, could happen, do happen, et cetera, et cetera. Right. But they're not invalid lessons to learn or scenarios to put yourself in. Um, There's a huge community of the Navy that does deal with those things, those scenarios, and it is valid for them. That doesn't necessarily mean now you could argue one side or the other, right? Of um, maybe that's not a thing that we would do, but say if you were in damn neck, Virginia, that's a valid station for them to deal with or a scenario to deal with. But then you still come into play. of How do you implement that without you either being legitimately terrified for your life because somehow some random person kidnapped you in the middle of your final night and you're like, I somehow just got, we, or this does not seem okay at all. My sponsor is still standing over there. Like I, there's no real way to implement that without telling you, Hey, this is all just totally training and we have to make this up. However, there is a piece to it. And I will say that as much as everybody, they, like you said, they tell you upfront, Hey, this is the scenario that we're in. Like this is all made up. Obviously this is station eight of nine that you've done today. This is all just a thing that we've all dealt with. And then somehow you get put into it. And I guarantee you that almost everybody about half an hour in had that minor thought of like, yo, what is going on? These dudes are messing with my brain right now. This is a weird scenario. I thought they were good with what they did. I understand that it's hard to implement that and make it feel real within this, within the bounds of what they had. However, um, 
it was less about that. I think the talking at the end kind of made a point. And to be totally honest, I think a lot of it was just to make everybody feel tired. If the point of it was to really just get in your head and then make you wonder like, what the, like, what do I do? Then it was super effective. Mission accomplished. Like at the end they were like, all right, what do you, uh, like, what do you think the point of this was? And what I said was, I think the point of it is that you have no idea what you're going to do until you're captured and there's a gun pointed at your head and you're trying to decide what, what am I going to give them? And you know, what are like, how much do I give to save my buddy from getting tortured? And they brought up the point of like, and then to that end, they were like, okay, like I can build a pattern of compliance where I get you to answer these innocuous questions. And then I just build on that and build on that and build on that. But like, just like they kept thinking the whole time, like I give them this information and I keep giving them stuff so that they stop torturing my buddies. But then at some point they're going to ask me for something that I'm going to feel morally compelled not to tell them. If they're going to get into the topic of like nuclear propulsion or classified information and whatever. And then at some point I'm going to hit a wall and I'm going to say, I can't give you that. I feel compelled not to give you that. And, and like, there's the Geneva conventions aspect. It's like, okay, I know the things that I'm like anybody who's a signatory on the Geneva conventions. I'm like, if I give you this Mm -hmm. information, you're required to report me as a prisoner of war. But then during the exercise, I'm giving you more than that because I'm deciding like, okay, this is still innocuous information and giving you this information means my buddy gets a drink of water or you stop making me sit in an air chair. But then at a certain point, you start asking questions that I'm super uncomfortable about asking because at this point I'm starting to betray my country and I'm like, okay, I can't do this. And, um, but then at the end, like what we didn't get was at the, we didn't have like a debrief where they said like, okay, here was the point of this. And here was the, like, I felt like every other station we did besides this one, I walked away feeling like I knew whether we had the right answer or not, that I felt like I knew what the right answer You gathered was to what be. the topic were, this topic one I learning objectives were. Yeah. And this one I walked away and I was like, dude, what? Did you read what? the paper that we all signed? I, yeah. They showed it to us. And, but they also said like, they were like, you're the only group all day that signed it. And they're waving around the, they're waving around the clipboard and they're you can seeing see the pages <laughs> stack of sheets. Yeah. And we're like, okay. That's it's funny because I tried to grab the clipboard would to go sign it and they wouldn't let go. And I'm like, that's weird. Like, oh, I, want I mean, can let it go. to be fair, you were the eighth group that went through it, right? You were the second to last of the, of the day. Oh, so oh yeah. We signed it. You had a full stack of papers for them to wave around. So if you get captured on your final night and you're presented with a clipboard with a piece of paper, maybe you should pull <laughs> that whole piece of paper off the clipboard. <laughs> just, just, I tried, but, but I think a lot of that, like, like with that, like, sure, some of that's funny. We constantly joked about it when we went to those stations and we were watching it. And it was like, oh, yeah, no, like 13 seconds in when they were like, hey, if you tell me all these things, you can all just sit down and drink coffee. I'd have told you anything and everything you want to know. I'm my blood type is O positive. <laughs> you know, I'm a Scorpio. I like long walks on the beach. Like, what do you want to know, man? I'll tell you anything and everything, especially knowing the training environment that you're in. Right. Um it was, I thought it was pretty, what they did was very effective and I was pretty impressed at how well they did it. And I thought it was funny um, because the year before that we had a corpsman that ran it at station every year, or at least the years that he was around, he was big on running it. But before he came to us, he was a Sears school instructor. 
that. <laughs> no way. So he had a lot of insider information on how to like legitimately torture people. The baby crying. Did you hear the baby crying? They it was hurting crying. my stomach. They put it next to me. Is that some I was trying to be a smart Weird coincidence. Like a speaker and I reached over and I tried to turn the speaker on. Oh my God, I did the same thing. I tried to turn it. <laughs> I, I reached over and I pressed the, like the plus button to try to turn the speaker louder. To try to get like to try to try to like flip the script and say like no I like it better when you make it louder and then they yelled <laughs> just yelled at me and beat I t- I more. turned it down and they didn't see me and I turned it around and faced it towards them and nobody nobody saw no, me it's, it's wild at like how again walking into a scenario going ah this is one of many stations I'm going to today uh mm-hmm. they've all been forty five minutes to an hour because we have to get to the next station like especially late in the day you know. You, you understand the, the layout of every place mm-hmm. that you go and what's going to happen. And you get there. And what's crazy to me is still watching it 20 minutes in maybe. And everybody like all of that goes out the window and you're like, I'm legitimately fighting for my life with terrorists. <laughs> and it's like, how do they? And that's when I was like, dude, these guys are good. If nothing else, that was definitely uh, the most different station of any of them that we did. It was. Like, and and there's argument and there's, you know, like, again, this from sucks, dude. Being on the, <laughs> This is rough. Being on the other side of like things. planning that out. I've seen the, the arguments of like, is it worth it? Is it not? Et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, and I don't necessarily know that. There, there's no right answer, right? As long as, again, it goes back to that. If somebody got something out of it, then it was worthwhile. I don't know. That may be a kind of a corny, an easy answer that I, it doesn't really require much thought. But it was interesting. I see why a submarine community is kind of like, this isn't real, man. What are we doing? We're, this isn't real. We're not. I'm never going to be a POW. I constantly joked when we do like security drills on the boat. You're underway. You're driving around at however many hundred feet. And, and I was like, if, and we're supposed to pretend this is not an insider threat. This is an external person somehow. I will be a prisoner of the sea before I am ever a prisoner of war. And I, t- I just told everybody, I was like, yo, if, if a terrorist somehow finds his way onto the boat while we are submerged and we haven't all died with him mm. getting on board, this guy is amazing and I will give him whatever he wants. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think it's joking, right? But like, and obviously in the real position, it's totally different, but it's, it's hard to put yourself in something that sounds completely wild and made up. And so I get that. And that's what I, what I keep going back to of why I was impressed at how, even though everybody showed up going, this is wild and insane. And I know half of these people standing here, or maybe you don't, I don't know, but it's like, this isn't real. We're standing in alpha lot. Like we're on base. What I is saw really good? And then, but still halfway through it, you're like, oh, this is real. There were parts of it too. There was like, I got pulled aside. It, there was a point where like everybody's getting beat and they're like saying, you know, like, why are you f- buddy right now? Why aren't you helping your friends? And like, I got pulled aside two separate times and by somebody who was like, Hey man, you're smarter than this. Why are you letting your buddy get tortured? And I'm like, I don't know what the f- answer is. I don't know what you're telling me right now. And he's like, I know you're smart. I know about you. I know that you like, you're better than this. And I'm like, I don't know if I'm supposed to say, Hey, this is training. Stop torturing my buddy. Training timeout. Like, or if I'm supposed to go in there and just be like, Hey, here's his social security number. Here's what he does. And I'm like, I don't know what you're telling me to do. All I know is I want him to stop getting tortured. And I'm just, I'm about to just go over there and start spilling the beans because originally all I could think back to was like in the beginning, they were like, your goal is to not give me anything. And then, and 
I was the first person who gave anything and they told me to sit down. And then I looked around and everybody else was still at like a leaning rest or whatever. And I was like, I'm not supposed to, I'm not supposed to, I'm not supposed to do this. And so then I just stopped answering the questions and then they, then they put me back at a leaning rest and I was like, okay, this is what I'm supposed to do. And, like, and then we just all got tortured for another hour. Two parts of that. Uh, one part of that is just from the heritage piece of like, Think about any prisoner of war scenario that you've seen. Like I, and I'm maybe I'm supposed to know this stuff and I'm terrible at remembering any of the, the details. Right. But there's tons of stories and videos you can watch on YouTube of guys who were POWs for like seven, eight years or longer. Just think about like you had to do it for 45 minutes and you showed up and they told you this is training. This is not real. This is what the goal is. And, and then imagine living that for seven years or more or whatever, right? Mm-hmm. Like in real world, like they did a good job. They did a good job of telling us about a couple of specific examples that were like that. I, I that part I do remember. And that part's like, wild hey. to imagine, like uh, just being in that position. Like you think about what you dealt with for that little bit, and then imagine that's your entire life for years and years, and it's like. Dang, like you have a a completely different appreciation for those people who did that, right? The other piece of it is one of these days I'm going to actually dig up somewhere and find it. But a long, long time ago, I read this study that talked about why um, it talked about the, uh, I can't think of the words, but basically like sororities and fraternities, the reason that they have such lifelong commitments to those types of organizations, it was specifically done on, on college uh, sororities and frats, right? But it had to do with, um, when you gatekeep something for lack of a better term that hard and somebody gets through the people that have to put up with a ton of stuff to gain something also become more invested in gatekeeping other people to get it right. So like the reason that we make getting your fish so hard uh, like a, yes, there's a lot to learn. There's a lot to know, blah, blah, blah. But you could also just, somebody could check in. You could walk around and teach them everything they need to know. And a month later they could be done. Right. But we don't do that. Right. You need them to go through those trials to, to learn it and to do all these things. They need to go through some piece of that so that when they get through and they have their fish, they're like, they also have more pride with it. They have more ownership with it and they're not willing to just give that away. And there's more like, no, like I had to do X, Y, and Z. Like this was not fun. This was not easy. I earned it. I made my place here. And then they're going to own that more and gatekeep, but in a positive way, I don't know that I can't think of the right terminology. Take pride in it's tradition way more pride with what you do if it's harder to get right Mm -hmm. if you could just show up and they were like hey you're on a submarine now you need to go to the exchange and go buy some dolphins and you'd be like okay and you would care for the same eight dollars it costs you to go buy a set of dolphins right well look at what we do like that's 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 it right there But you go through all of that Mm -hmm. stuff so that by the time you get it like ultimately long run where you taught a lot of it probably, but either way, like you still went through so much to get there that you're like, Oh, I own this. I'm part of this now. And it's the same thing with, I think at least with the chief season or with any of that other stuff, if you don't go through all of that, you don't own it the same way and you don't put as much emphasis on it. You don't put as much importance on it. And you're like, "Eh, it's just, you just got promoted like all the other ranks protecting the value of it. Yeah. And there's, and so it's interesting. So with that PO, 
uh, wasn't specifically, it was a POW piece. I don't remember how I was tying those two together, but regardless, it's, it, it just has to do with, there's an interesting piece that talked about that. And one of these days I'll find it because I've referenced it a few times, uh, over the last few years, but I don't have the actual study to look at anymore. But it was like, it was an interesting piece because it talked about sororities and frats in general. Um, and I found it because there's a military article that referenced that with different communities because it talked about that with like SEAL community with spec war stuff. Um, I think they hinted on it with like the chief community stuff. Um, and like these exclusive, you know, fraternities or however you want to call it. But the initiation piece of it that you do is similar to sororities and frats that have been doing it for however long colleges they have existed. And yes, they do that. And yes, they catch a lot of the flack because they, you see it every year. It's a big thing. Every college does this stuff, but there is a, there actually is something valid and good gained from that piece of it. Right. Like, yeah, you know, making somebody eat a dog turd, there's nothing you're gaining out of that. Right. You just made somebody eat a dog turd so everybody could laugh, but going through all of those motions, there's something there that they gained that makes them a part of that club that makes them own that more. It makes them protect it more, makes them have more pride and, and, and ownership of that. And there is, I think that's the big piece that I keep meaning to, like I said, I'll find it one of these days, but that study is what interests me about the chief season specifically, because we go through all of this nonsense or not nonsense, depending on how you look at it. Um, and in the end, it's like, there is a valid reason whether or not it was a stupid egg division or not, right? Like you had to do all these ridiculous things. And in the end, if you gain something from each individual piece or not, it doesn't matter. You went through the same big picture steps, right? To become whatever that is. Same thing with like, when I got my shell back, I guarantee it was way better and easier than 40 years ago. Right. But that doesn't in general, like, yeah, there's going to be some crusty dude that's like, wow, back in my day, but in general, like you still had to go through that. And so when other people are like, Oh, I'm not a blue nose. You kind of have that like, wow, well I'm better than you kind of mindset. Not that not I'm better than you, but you know what I mean? Like I've done that thing. I've been in, indoctrinated into that community and that's a big piece of it. Cause then you own that community and you become more protective of like, no, 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 us shellbacks are different. We've done this thing. We've done this, whatever. And it's the same thing with chief community with getting your fish, with getting any of the warfare, right? Like I I'm guessing to a lesser extent uh, that all the other warfare communities are more or less the same probably dialed back quite a bit from the way submarines are, but it's the same principle, right? You had to go through this period to get to that final point. It wasn't just you checked five boxes, have a nice life. It's Tuesday. That's when we do our qual board. So you're here. Like that's disappointing. And I, you wouldn't own it at that point. You'd be like, yeah, I got it. Cause it was Tuesday on qual board day. Like who cares? You know, like, but when you went through that much, you're like, no, for sure. I'm that guy. I earned this. I did that. I did, well, you know, whatever the case is and whatever community or whatever group you apply that to, I think that's a valid point though. I just don't have the study to reference it because I'm not a scientist, but <laughs> I don't know. That's, that's, that was my piece of like the chief 
season is regardless of the individual aspects, there's still a group function that you did, which even this year is going to be different from what Guam did, from what Hawaii did, from what Rhoda did, from what San Diego did. Everybody did something different, but ultimately you still went through a thing and then ended at the other end of it. And all of you are going to look at what you achieved differently than like, you didn't have to do that when you made second. You just came in one day and your chief was like, Hey man, you're in the wrong uniform. I would argue that like, despite that, what we, the individual events or the season events, the taskings, the, um, the addendums were different that hopefully the outcome was the same. That what we achieved was the same. That's, that's what I hope the point is, is like, you know, our season might've looked different than like Yakuska or whatever, but that despite that the events were a little bit different, final night was different or whatever, that everybody was kind of given what they needed to get what they were supposed to get out of the season. And like, like I have a decent amount of faith. That that's the way that it is like to go back to the part about, you know, some people that are uh, advantaged or disadvantaged, however you want to look at it for having been like deployed on like, you know, whatever type of vessel for the whole season or whatever, um, that hopefully the outcome was the same that like, you know, they were still, uh, their like assets and liabilities were still leveraged to an extent, uh, individually that they got what they needed out of the season. They were honed in on and given that like extra level of attention that, that we were, and that, you know, even if their group, like their genuine group or selected group wasn't as large as ours, some of the challenges, and successes that they had were kind of like the same in a way. And that in the end, they kind of got the same things out of it that we did. That's kind of the basis of all of that. When people generally make the point of like, I could walk into any chief's mess anywhere. And I implicitly trust that person, right? It has nothing to do with that person. It has to do with that process that you're talking about. Like you have to trust that that process happened for that person at some point. And that hopefully they got that. You have to have faith in that whole piece or it's kind of like, what's the point, right? So if you believe in that whole piece and you believe that some rando in Yakuza that you never met or never will meet, you happen to run into him some point in deployment, you know, you show up to the chief's mess on that base and you see some person that you'll never see again, likely, but you immediately have some sort of bond of like, ah, we did this thing together. You also dealt with a similar ish experience. You had this thing that we can all laugh about or not laugh about or whatever you, you had that, or that person had that. And you have to believe that they did that. Cause if not, then if you were to show up and be like, Oh, well, Hawaii just kind of hands this stuff out. They don't do anything. You, it would ruin everything. Cause then the second you meet somebody that's a chief, you'd be like, well, did you make it in Hawaii? I heard they don't do anything, you know? And like, it would just ruin all of it. Right. So you have to, you have to have like a baseline belief that everybody did something because that, or that adds credibility to who they are. And so if you believe in that process piece of it, then, then it helps foster all the stuff that we keep talking about. Um, but if you don't, you know, if that weren't a thing, then it would, all of it would crumble because you'd immediately be like, oh, well, Hawaii, 09, they did nothing. I don't care about those guys. You know, like even with the COVID years, like every, it was vastly different, but everybody still did something. Like every year somebody does something because you have to, 
or you rob that person of that, right? They were like, hey, what did you do for final night? What was your season like? And you're like, wow, I didn't do anything. I just showed up to pinning the next day. You'd be like, oh, well, that's weird. And it sucks because it's not just a discount on them. You're immediately like, yo, who's in your mess? And it's a discount on those people. And then it just spreads from there, right? Like, why would that CMC allow that? What's wrong with that guy? And then it just ruins all of that. You, you also have, to have that belief. You also won't know that until you ask. Because it goes into like, you don't know if I'm a, I'm a been a chief for a year. You don't know if I've been a chief for Because you have years. that immediate yeah. assumption that they've done the same, mm-hmm. more or less basic things that you have done. And you have that same basic, like, ah, yes, you have also dealt with the suck. In the way that I dealt with suck, it's some details. Yeah, it, I, bring this up, but like kind of like dive school. Like you see another like dive bubble on somebody, and you're like, oh man, like you know that guy went to Panama City. Like we all go to Panama City. Like we all you know go through the same you know of training. Yeah, we we embrace the suck together, and it's like you know, um, so it's kind of that same like idea of you know like oh man, they went through it too. Like what's up, man? Like head nod. No, it's the same thing. Like again, extrapolate that out, extrapolate that out to any other community. You know, like oh, mm-hmm. you're a submariner. Like oh, okay, I know that you mm-hmm. went through the suck the same way that I went through the suck. Mm-hmm. Whether that was twenty years ago on a VN or yesterday on a fast boat, like it's still a thing. Mm-hmm. Or if it was a chief community, or like oh, you any community, yeah. like you dealt with the same thing that I dealt with more or less, you know, give or take the obvious changes in time. But there is that assumption that those things happened. And and so, I don't know, that's the a big piece that I like of it. Mm-hmm. You kind of have to, again, bad with words, but you kind of have to gatekeep that so that you know that they have earned that For sure. piece of it, mm-hmm. I think at least. But, um, and I, and I think that's a big piece of what carries the credibility forward when you leave the area. It's not just like, oh, well, I went through in Groton is way better <laughs> as opposed to like, oh, you went through in San Diego. Well, that doesn't really count. Like you just have to assume without knowing what they did day by day. Like, ah, you must have gone through a similar miserable experience, <laughs> you know, <laughs> better or worse. And yeah, I don't know. So during the seer stuff, like, did you guys give up the names or did you just take the beating or, cause I need to know because oh, I don't know if what I did was right. It's never right. No matter what you do is right. Survive. Did you survive? I saw, yeah, I stayed in that leaning rest. You did it right. I did. Yeah. Survive is the right answer. Always. All right. I hope y'all enjoyed that. Um, I, I'm again, looking very much forward to <laughs> giving it a listen. Uh, no video this week, just because Chief Bob was, was doing it, uh, and the, his setup is different than mine. Um, but very, uh, very cool. Cause he, they're all stationed in the same place. So there was no need for, uh, the service that I use with the video and all that. So, uh, it is what it is, but, um, I'm really thankful for <laughs> for him pinch hitting this week. Uh, it made my life a lot easier leading up to this trip. A uh, buddy of mine's getting promoted to senior chief, um, and I, I, you know you'll see pictures on social media and stuff. But uh, I'm very excited to be getting on a plane to go visit them and and be a part of that. And um, 
but yeah, uh, if you need anything from us, as always, hit us up. Don't give up shit podcast at gmail.com. You can Facebook message us. Don't give up shit podcast. Or you can DM us on Instagram, Reddit or Discord at DGUTS podcast. If you want to support us, you can do so by going to don't give up the ship apparel. It's dgutsapparel.com. Get yourself some naval pride and heritage gear. You'll actually wear in public or go to patreon.com slash DGUTS podcast. Uh, check out all the cool benefits from all the different tiers and consider becoming a member today. We would really appreciate it. It would help us keep the lights on and pay all the bills um and then i'll put contact for uh the the folks on the podcast in the show notes uh and that's it that's what i got for you today thank you so much for listening and don't give up the ship shout out to william mciver and victoria livengood for being the dopest patrons on the planet we really appreciate you if you want to support us go to patreon.com slash podcast.